What up? This is Wale, man, and this is the 50th episode of the A-Show with my slime, J5, and my man Mills. Hey, look, all you humanoids better pay attention and understand. This is the A-Show, 50th episode. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? This is Justin Davis, um, and I'm here to welcome you to the first episode of the A-Show, the one show where we talk about wrestling hot takes and uh, it's unapologetic. It's no holds barred. Well, that's that's one of the segments, it's, but it is no hold, holds barred, and it's it's bringing you the very best and the very most recent of wrestling news and reviews. And I really just want to do this show because I I just really like talking about wrestling and, and fantasy booking, and I, I just don't feel like there's anybody in the world that I would rather do that with than someone whose opinions are diametrically always opposed to mine. And that, I think they're always 100 opposed, but there's yeah a contrarian opinion, sure. Yeah, no, I think you just like to do that to get on my nerves. But no. um, my, um, maybe I don't know. Sometimes my man Jamil, of course you hear him right there. Jamil Rayburn's yes. here. Meals TV, uh, B Show candidate of the year. Uh, wow. And and I sure. think I think we've done this before. Like we, we've done, we've always kind of circled the the wrestling path. Uh, so to speak, but um, I, th- I think now doing something very proper is fun because I, I think in our individual shows we don't really get a chance to talk about it at great a great length like we will here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are finally here. We're here, um, man. We are here. It is. God, we're old. We are old. <laughs> we are 50 weeks old. Uh, the A Show 50. I mean, if you technically count our bonus episodes, it's probably about 59, probably. We got, we got content. We got content. We got content out the ass. But this is the official A Show 50. Welcome to the show. Uh, I am Justin, of course, and I'm joined by Meals. Um, this is a huge show today. We have uh, a lot of special guests. We have Stat Guy Greg from uh, ESPN's Cheap Heat is on the show today. Thank you for thank you to Stat Guy Greg for showing up. We have uh, Deadspin writer, jack of all trades, Ernest Wilkins on the show. Shout Boom, out to him. yo, shout, shout out to him, him man. Uh, we also have a bunch of different you know people that are going to stop in. Uh, obviously, you probably already heard one of them. Big fan of the show. Um, yeah, I think really, Emil's. I don't know if you like, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that the message of this show is black excellence. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I, I think that 
you know, when when I say this is a, a show that's going to mean a lot, and it's, it's really going to, um, you know, that means a lot to us. Personally, it's having these figures, you know, on this show that have meant a lot to us and have been instrumental in just, you know, keeping us going, um, really co-sign us. And, you know, everyone that you know showed up on this, thank you for doing, for, for showing up. And everyone who's listened to the show for the past year almost <laughs> oh my god oh yeah listen thank you for listening from the beginning and then you know we have the the year anniversaries coming up and we'll do, do something cool with that mm-hmm. but we, it's just everyone who's listened for the past 50 episodes thank you guys for just reaffirming that i guess justin was right in terms of doing this because initially i wasn't gonna do this. <laughs> um initially i didn't want to do this uh i was just like man i already got a podcast man i already got but then you know what i was just like you know what i do and the thing is about just doing this podcast from week to week on a week to week basis it's probably the most ever effortless thing that either of us do during the week Mm -hmm. because it's just like we love talking wrestling we love just like having these conversations and we go back and forth anyway like just the conversations we've had like for years prior before this when we when we both met via you know the wrestle rap thing and stuff like mm-hmm. that and just the arguments mm-hmm. that we've had before that it's like man if we had started a podcast way back then we would have been on fucking fire i don't know yeah. but I mean, I, I again know. i i tell the story all the time you know just how i called you and and then it's like you know i i mean we've had conversations outside of this where it's like man how are we going to do this like what's going to happen and you know every time we've made it work but it's it's always been like kind of a uh, uphill not an uphill battle as far as just doing it but an uphill battle is is wh- who are we galvanizing who is receiving this right and nothing has been bigger i think maybe sh- that the nxt episode um was huge for us nxt episode was huge people like um, arguing on this um, despite not actually listening to the episode but they you know i think we made our footprint with that episode yeah and i think even before that just just moments that we captured and moments I won't forget, you know, just being your, your podcast partner, like Daniel Bryan returning. And I called you like, we got to do a show right now. You know, right. uh, that show did really well for us as far as people tuned in just to hear what we thought about it. You know, I mean, I'm in like near tears because I'm like, yo, my nigga's back, you know. And I, is, <laughs> oh, you did Whoops. You did it. It wasn't me that time. Shout out to that. Everyone gets one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> except I've done it like three times. But yeah, it's just moments like that, man. Like it's just moments and just capturing it all. I never forget the, you know. I think even the stance against the things that are happening, StarCast and the inclusion in terms of the professional wrestling audience, which is still a discussion that we're still having today. Like we're still tweeting today about like, you know, this is why things need a little more more inclusion, especially when people are coming down on you. When people are coming down on you (laughs) for the shit you say about God, what was it about? I remember some guy was like heckling you about something that they were all heckling me. I mean. And I and I talk about this on and you know in one of the interviews that is coming up later on the show, but like Conrad Thompson heckled me, you know, like right. <laughs> a lot of people heckled me for that. Listen, but, we have inclusion. We have Jay Lethal on the card. Like, of yeah. course, we have inclusion. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's like maybe it's not about that. Maybe you completely don't understand. Maybe yeah. you just don't understand. And accepting you don't understand is a is a big step 
that, and then you sort of take the steps. But when you assume that you know what the audience wants and you're already assuming, like, you, you know, it's just... You can't just assume that we know. You, you know? can't just and, assume. You can't. You really and, can't. And, and really, it's, it's just really, to me, that question that kept me moving, like, how far is it going to take us till we really get who is going to be listening to the show? And, you know, I've had a lot of people that I would have never expected to listen to listen to the show and people shouted me out. I've been stopped before just out in public. That's wild. Like, like just about it. Like I remember just being <clears throat> being picking up food one day and someone like tapped me on the shoulder like, are you OG Johnny Five? I was like, yeah, I am. It's like, I love the A show. And, you know, that, wow. that type of shit. That type well, of they shit. They know who you going. are from audio form. You haven't done video. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I've done, like, video stuff on, like, you know, the internet and stuff like that. But it was, like, people have always known me from kind of, like, a music background, you know? Sure. And crossing over to wrestling was always a, a huge a huge deal for me because it was, like, it was me finally saying, you know what? I would rather talk about this than <laughs> Drake versus Pusha T. Right. And I, and I, and I kind of, like, made that line in the sand and I was, like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're rocking. And, and I saw it coming. You know, I, I saw the, what was going on. Big facts. Um, what do you think our most famous argument was? Oh, these last Woo! people. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, we've had so many. Listen. We had a screaming match. We had a screaming match when uh, when we had RSBN on, didn't we? We had that. We had one when Cyrus was on when everyone was trying to convince me that it, uh, Andrade was going to turn face or blah blah blah, some shit like that. Um, we've had fuck. The I women, know. the women argument is <laughs> the women because you were an asshole. How about that? No, <laughs> no, no, bro. That shit was. Listen, meals. You were looking shaky out there, bro. Listen, you're looking real shaky. When also when we were deciding that NXT list, if people had recorded us when we were deciding that actual list, oh my god, we it would have <laughs> never we would have never come. It would have been a three hour podcast of just us trying to figure this shit out because it was uh, in- incredibly like yes no 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 why no yeah. because this this and that and that and that and you're like that don't make no sense blah 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 <laughs> but if we had just done it like that man like it would have been crazy um what else arguments have we fucking had we've had a lot of arguments Nia Jax argument that I eventually had to I had to tell you that you were right about mm-hmm. oh the biggest argument was the Iconics wasn't it wasn't it no it was Kyrie Sane the Kyrie biggest Sane. argument was Kyrie Sane Kyrie Sane and Asuka yeah uh, she turned out well didn't she she turned out I, it, but here's the thing Mills did I not say she was gonna they were, they were building her back up for this I mean, that don't mean like the, her fit, her first like eight months still wasn't trash. It just means that they just decided to turn the switch on and just like, all right, we're going. And they can do that whenever. I guess. I mean, they sure we, can. And that, also, they sure can. How about that? We also had a, a big argument. Oh, man, I'm trying to. We've had so many and they're, they're, they're never about what they should be. <laughs> like it's never about anything big. It's uh, we had a very intense one about the Becky Lynch and Charlotte one a few weeks ago. Uh, that, but you know what? We we were even killed there. I think, I think we, we weren't. <laughs> we were even there. We weren't. We weren't screaming at each other. Though. I think we were agreeing about the same thing. It was just different perspectives on it. But yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of different arguments. I mean, by all means, I feel like I'm go. What I'm gonna do today, at least today, I might actually go back and listen to the first episode of the show because I don't know how we sound. We sound I terrible. Know, 
I know I sound terrible because I'm like you're broadcasting through your fo- I'm like broadcasting through your phone broadcasting on a mic. Yeah, that's what it was. But uh, I know I know it was good. I remember liking it, and that's it, why it's continued to do it. <laughs> we sound terrible. Uh, I'm, I might put the first minute or so instead of doing what I usually do. I might put the first minute or so of the first episode on here. Mm-hmm. Just so people can see the the difference of even just our voices. We're way different, way more confident. Um, I'd say I'm more confident here than I was even when I was doing my own podcast and I was just talking into a mic for 60 minutes every week. But um, I, I I think that we, we definitely upgraded, especially where we did it. At. I, I remember I, for like maybe shit, 10 or 15 episodes, I was doing it from work. I was doing it literally. I would go upstairs into an office when I worked at All Death Digital and I disappear for an hour and a half every Wednesday. I'm still doing it at work and disappearing for an hour and a half. So shout out to everyone who's listening. I hope it's known at my job. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I record all different type of places. I've recorded at my dad's house. I've recorded in a bathroom. I recorded in a storage room. I recorded in my bedroom. I recorded in my kitchen. I've recorded everywhere, <laughs> anywhere. I'm so glad I bought this little mic, you know, thing system. So I just set it up and just like we can do a show whenever, wherever and just deliver it to the masses. Like this is the this is I don't think people understand 50 weeks of commitment week. (laughs) I know after after week. And there's times where I'm just like, yo, I just want to take a show a week off. But we have it. And you know why? Because it's just like it's it's whatever. It's wrestling. Like we fucking love wrestling. Like it, it doesn't matter. And if we ever did, you know. A 50-week streak is good. Like, if we ever had to, a 50-week streak, it ain't that bad. I, I got the content. Thing is, for the thing is, though, for the next two weeks, we can't. Because, oh, yes. Just because we got to get to we got to get to 52. We got to get to 52. Um, so we can start taking, like, breaks after that. But I, I, I really love one, one thing that I, that I, you know, like that we do on the show is that we had to focus on us and our personalities before we started bringing on guests. And we did guests that really meant a lot to us that were not like huge wrestling personalities, obviously saying this on the show right now, where we have like a huge <laughs> host of a podcast on ESPN being on our show, but you know, we focused on us and I really like that, you know, you guys have stuck with us in our personalities throughout all of this. I agree. I hope you continue to share it to more people. I would love for this to continue to grow and be able to do more things like a live show or something along those lines. Like I would love to do that. Like it's it's just incredible. I would love to start taking this, you know, on the road doing live shows and just like going to people's towns and like talking Bro, to different wrestlers and like all this that's other a goal. stuff. But that's it's a just, goal, Mills. Yeah, you know what people the, you know what people don't know? You know one thing people don't know? Me and you have never met. In person. In person. We never met in person. At all, I'm so. Yeah, it's crazy. Today. Yeah, I'm afraid, I'm afraid too. I'm afraid you won't. You won't end up being, you know, what I thought you were. You know. Nah, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm gonna crush all your bones when I run up to you and give you the biggest <laughs> hug ever, because that's what I'm gonna do. The first thing I'm gonna do. Watch out for it. I'm I'm a master of when I meet up with people, I don't tell them. They'll be. I can if I see them before they see me. Oh my god. Oh uh, no, nah. I, I I can't miss. I can't miss you, bro. You're like. Uh, uh, you're brolic. <laughs> no, man. Like, if I see you before you see me, it's a wrap. Like, you're getting tackled or something like that. Um, but, yeah. One day. I mean, listen. I'm trying to have that moment, that special moment where we both walk from both ends of the stage and we finally meet in person at our yeah. live show. And yeah. it's just like, oh, holy shit. Like, and we record it for the network or something. I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's make it happen, man. The yeah, RNC network, baby. Let's really make it happen, man. Like, we're we're going to do a live show. R- RNC... 
a show. We're going to do a live show. We're going to make it happen. We're already making moves to make that happen. Um, I mean, just spoiler, I've been talking to a lot of people about having our own convention, having our own black podcasting convention for people within this, you know, within this world. And I'm working on it. And, you know, anyone who's rocking with us, tell a telefriend and tell a friend. And, and tell them the tinting uh, wrestling shows that are out there. I believe there's like Black Announce Table. Um, obviously, you have you have the guys at uh, Barber's Chair. They do a lot of different wrestling content there. So shout out to them. Like everyone's doing great stuff. And I think if we all put our heads together. We can really we can really pop this off. So um, that's just something that I'm that I'm working on. And we're all gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna really do it. So shout out to everybody there. Um, but let's let's get into uh, really our first no holds bar segment. But we're gonna take a quick break to hear some words from one of our close friends of the show. Uh, and so we'll be right back on the A-Show 50. Hey, yo, Mills, Justin, this Amp. I want to congratulate y'all on 50 episodes of the A-Show, man. 50 episodes, that's crazy. As a person that podcasts myself, dropping 50 episodes of a podcast is not easy at all. So once again, I want to congratulate y'all on that uh, achievement, man. A show, man. It's an amazing wrestling podcast. It was a point where I stopped listening to wrestling podcasts because most po- wrestling podcasts, they either quote it melts every five seconds or they complain about a WWE product for two hours. That's boring, man. Y'all keep it real. Y'all keep it honest. I like y'all uh, dialogue. I like the topics y'all come, in, come up with. Everything's original. And I scrapped the rest of those other wrestling podcasts. I just listened to pretty much listened to the A show. So, once again, congratulate y'all on 50 episodes, and uh, hopefully, hopefully y'all meet me at the 200 episode mark, man. So once again, congratulations to y'all boys, and keep up the good work. And also, thank you for welcoming me to the RNC family, man. I won't let y'all down. All right. Shout out to Ampa Valley. His show, uh, Random Acts of Podcast Gaming, will be premiering on the RNC Radio Network on October 22nd. Um, he's going to be playing on the first episode, Friday the 13th, uh, the video game on PS4. I'm going to be on the show. It's going to be fucking hilarious. We've already started doing some of the recording for it. Uh, I'm very, very, very you know, proud and honored to have Amp on our network. We've been trying to make this happen for a really long time. Uh, I can remember like the first time I even asked Mills about it. He was like, yes, you have to get Amp. You know? yeah, and he's, he's always been a friend of the show. Uh, you know, on on his, his uh, message, he said he, did, he, he doesn't want to let us down. Amp, you have not let us down. You will not let us down. You're going to do great. Thank you for being on the network. Uh, but let's get into No Holds Barred. Uh, first off, we have Pete Dunne, who is now a 500-day champion. Uh, he's, the, he's been the, the WWE UK champion for a very fucking long time. Uh, what do you think about how long they've had him have this title? That's a rare air, but also it's a title. I mean, I'll say this as a title. Well, it's I can't even say like it's a title that's not defended much because it's it's defended way more than Brock Lesnar ever defended his championship, um, and had a lot more great matches, quite mm-hmm. honestly. But he's defended know, it a lot. You know, I thought I'm glad they went with him. He's only the second ever United Kingdom champion. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see where they go when they decide. You know, he eventually drops the strap. But it's a. It's monumental. I think he he goes down as uh, I mean, if this championship becomes a true thing and isn't something that like even in five years we're wondering why we still need it or something. I think it becomes something real. Uh, I think it'll become a much bigger deal 
whenever the NXT UK brand decides to start premiering their television show. On they, a, they've already taped so many episodes of this this show and we haven't seen we haven't right. seen hide nor hair of anything yet so, so and, and that in itself it's just like you have him as united kingdom champion for those shows we don't know when it's going to air so it's like he can't lose the belt until the shows air i would yeah. imagine but um, they already have they have uh What's her? Rhea Ripley is the women's champion. They have a tournament on the first episodes of the show where she's crowned champion and she's defending the title on an evolution uh, and later this month. So it's, it's really, really weird. Yeah, she's defending the title at, at evolution because they're, you know, they're very strict as far as like they're going to be having 50 women on the show. I'm mm-hmm. guessing evolution should probably be like a four hour show like the regular pay-per-views are. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm cool with that. But I, I just want to know, like, you know, when we're going to be seeing these shows. I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, see Pete Dunne in, in his natural element. Like, I, I really want to see how he's going to, you know, how it's going to shake out for him. And he's defended it a lot, like I said. He's always won. He's never given anything less than a three-star match, in my opinion. He's had great matches this year. Even, you know, even though he hasn't even been on TV that much. Every time he shows up, it's a big deal. And mm-hmm. there are very there are very few wrestlers, you know, in their developmental quote unquote system that right. garner that type of attention. And I, I think Pete Dunne is, is really, really um he's become a spectacle. He's like the undertaker of the NXT brand, really. Really? I mean, he really is at this point. Uh next up on No Holds Bar, Joey Janela, uh an independent superstar. He's I think he's a really solid wrestler. Um, he will be out for a year. He basically destroyed his knee uh, at a show a couple of weeks ago doing a dive, just a regular dive, destroyed his MCL, ACL, everything. Um, originally, he was he was thinking he, he'd be back in like nine months, but he just tweeted yesterday that he will be out for a full year. He was the WWN champion. They had to strip him of the title. They'll be doing a new tournament to determine the uh, new champion. Uh, this is a guy that had a lot of promise meals. I, I don't know if you've seen a lot from him. I think you probably saw him at All In. I know you watched All In. Yeah, I did. He had that uh, that hardcore match. Um, he's, a, I mean, he's really a bright star there. I, I really do enjoy Joy Janela. He has uh, the Joy Janela Spring Break event that he does every many a weekend. I'm not sure if that will still happen or or, or what capacity that's going to happen in because he's not going to be wrestling on it at all. Right. But uh, it, it really sucks for him. A year out on the Indies is is a very long time. Man. This is not good, man. It, it, it sucks, especially the type of injury that it is um, and sort of having the, you know, rehab and do all this other things. I'm always interested in terms of just the independent scene. If you have an injury, how does it? I mean, I know it's looks out for you. Yeah, really. It's like who's, I know it's the same sort of medical process. But like, how do you if you if your main source of income is wrestling? Yeah. How do you continue to make money when you're out for an entire year? It is because there's no, you know, there's no uh, like insurance, you know, like, right. <laughs> that shit sucks, bro. Like, I, I have no clue how that, that works, but I'm pretty sure that like, you know, the, the companies that he works for are probably they'll probably help him out. Um, rehab is a lot, though. I will say yeah. that much. Rehab is a lot. Like, it's not like WWE where they. You know, they'll send you to Alabama or Pittsburgh for nine to 12 months and they'll have you rehab there. But you have to move out there, you know, like. Yeah, essentially. 
Um, but it, it sucks for Joy Janela. I hope I hope that he comes back and um, you know he has a speed of recovery. I, I'm really I was really becoming a big fan of his uh, from what I've been seeing from him when I went to PWG earlier this year and from what I saw at All In this year. He had one of the you know one of the standout matches. Hopefully uh, he'll be back sooner than later. But I mean 2020 is what it's looking like, and, and that that's like if you if you think about an ACL injury, I mean that puts out people like Russell Westbrook for how long? Or puts out people, you know, in, in NBA. Just think about the NBA, like when people have knee injuries. I mean, it's a full year. It's a full year, at a minimum a year. I mean, you're moving around before the year's over, but you can't really, you know, move at this, especially considering NBA is just, you know, the way you sort of use your body. You can't really do anything on it for an entire year, and you have to make yeah. sure it's good. Or else at any moment, it could, like, you know, you could tear it again. And then he's got to get that confidence back in, in the knee. It's like, ugh. It, remember, it that, remember that documentary with um, Seth Rollins? Yeah, yeah. That machine and the intensity and he missed mania and like all the other stuff, man. It's just heartbreaking, bro. Bro, he was struggling on that little, uh, that, that shoulder machine, bro. I, felt, <laughs> I, I wanted to cry on that shit. <laughs> uh, next up on No Holds Barred, uh, Cody from the Elite slash Bullet Club said that they could end up in the WWE. It's, it's definitely possible that they could end up there. Uh, this has been the big speculation. Uh, it's, it's even on their, their being the elite series where uh, the Bucks have a countdown to January 1st where something could possibly be happening. A lot of people think that that's the day that their New Japan contract ends. Um, Mills, are, are you prepared for the possibility that you know, Cody, Kenny, Bucks or some variation of that combo could happen? You know, I'm very interested in this sort of type of thing just because, I mean... I think it's more closer than it is in prior years just because they have that link to the WWE and it'll always be Cody Rhodes and Cody Rhodes will always be their link because Cody Rhodes' entire family is professional wrestling. Yet still, his family's still in the WWE. I really think he could go back whenever he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, him, you know, I would, ra- I would rather it kind of feel like it's being done on the Bucks' own merit. And I'm sure that they're talented and and and, and uh, everything like that. But it kind of just feels... I don't know. This narrative of just, like, Cody's just, like... And we could go to WWE. It's like, well, the Bucks previously, in, like, a prior life, were like, we don't really need to do that and we're making all these money outside of this independently. Why would we ever want to do that? But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just feels weird to me. Everything is kind of, like, shifted. And they're, like, really playing it up. And I think it's more so for attention than it is rather are we actually going to WWE or not? Like this is someone, this is someone they're clearly like want the attention. And this is how they kind of they know their fan base enough that they this will pop them and this will keep them interested, I guess. I, I think that uh I mean you're right. I mean they 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 of course do anything, like they know about how to promote themselves better than anyone. Right. Um I, I don't I think that WWE probably wants them. Ironically, I think they want them more than they want Cody right now. I think Cody comes back. I don't think he's a shoe in for the WWE title. You know? No. I, I, I don't think he's a shoe in for that. I think he's back to where he was. I think the Bucks tag titles a lot. <laughs> I think no, they're gonna I don't win know. those titles a lot. But I don't know how much of I don't know how much it's like so we say that because we know how talented they are in the independent scene, but like, does it translate over to WWE and how does it do that? I mean, it's, 
I mean, well, yeah, that would be great. I mean, if everything happened the same way they did it for AJ, everyone would be fine. But I'm not sure, especially with how the lack of attention the tag division even gets itself. I mean, it's just like it's a up, it's an uphill road, quite honestly. Like just to maintain an air, maintain a sense of relevancy in the tag team division. I mean, how many times do, did we think that this tag team was going to be the one, and they get called up, and then it's kind of like whatever. Yeah, like it's. it's I, do you think you think the Bucks are going to develop, developmental? Because Cody for sure isn't. Cody's not I don't going think the to Bucks go to developmental. Yeah, I don't think they do. You know what? It wouldn't be completely. <laughs> I would see it. I would see NXT mainly because they want stars in the brand that can attract people. Because eventually, a few more people are going to get called up. I'm sure Undisputed Era will get called up eventually. I'm yeah. sure 2019 they're going to be on the main roster. So. If that's the sort of case, I could see a possibility where they're like, well, we need another attraction for NXT to sell mm-hmm. these shows that we have all over the country. Well, um, what if you what if that attraction was and this is going to piss off a lot of people, but I really think they'll do this. The attraction is Kenny Omega. Mm. The attraction with I do not think Kenny Omega goes straight to the main roster if he goes. Now, I'm a little bit less confident than I was five months ago about Kenny Omega going to the main roster straight up. I think he's going to put on his NXT jumper and, and, and hit, hit the PC. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know that man. Cause he's like, all right. So the thing he could be is the long, he could be the longest reigning NXT champion ever. He could. So I'm trying to figure it out because we've had like Joe go to NXT and quite frankly, I don't even think he needed to go NXT. Um, he needed to at the time because there, because Mills, there was honestly no room for him at that time. Right. He was but fine I'm, when he came down when he when he did when he when he attacked Seth. I'm that was a perspective. Like, okay, what makes AJ the different factor than everyone else? Because I think he, AJ brokered that deal. I think AJ was able to broker that deal based on the fact that he was a. And the thing is, we're kind of. The one thing JJ AJ has over him is that he was a IWGP champion. Whereas he was like, okay, I'm an IWGP champion. I was an impact champion. I've been around this, this long, this long, this long. I think with Kenny, there are certain things they have to work out with him as far as his moveset that they have to, they have to calm down on. I think bucks could fit right in. Cause the Usos do that shit anyway. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be weird how they split these. I think they, I really do think they split these guys up. I don't think, see, I don't think, I don't think Kenny Omega goes to NXT. I think he would go straight to the WWE. It wouldn't, I mean, I get it. I would only say it because I think their argument could be, well, you're not, you know, you're not as popular in the United States. And it's that's just true. like, and, and that's and, true. And it's just like, okay, so we have to sort of, you know, build you up and introduce you to an audience and then sort of build you up that way in the United States. I could 100% mm-hmm. see that. But I could also see from the standpoint of like, this guy's been wrestling for freaking years. Like, this yeah. guy is amazing. He's been, he's a world champion. He's been around the globe. He's faced off against more than a couple guys that we already have on the roster. But you know what? Chances are, you may, you may be right. Kenny may go to NXT. Listen, the, the, the tears, <laughs> the tears of so many people when that happens, I'm not going to be mad either way. I really do believe that Kenny will work either way. I, the booking for him is going to be real interesting. I think the buck, I think the bucks will be fine. I think Cody will be fine. I think Kenny will be very, very, very interesting because he has to cut promos. 
I think the Bucks can cut promos. I think well, uh, well. Also, let's take a look back a couple years ago. I don't know. So I know John Cena wants to face Kenny Omega. He made that clear in an Instagram post like a couple years. But back. he also said he wanted EC3. So <laughs> you see where EC3 is. That's true. My man's a whore. All right. Yeah, he wants everybody. <laughs> oh my god. He's just like yo, just send me to NXT, and Vince is just like, no, damn it, come on. What the fuck are you doing? But uh, one, one thing before we get off of this topic, uh, the New Japan card from last week, I know you didn't watch it, Mills. <laughs> what was I doing on? We, we don't even want to know. We don't even want to know. Sunday at Sunday at 8. What was I doing? I was binging The Office. <laughs> oh, God. Over New Japan? Are you insane? Did you watch out Walter versus uh, Jordan Devlin? Did you get a chance to watch that? No, I didn't get to watch it. All right, get out of here. All right, All anyway, right. Uh, fighting spirit <laughs> from from Long Beach. Uh, I thought it was a it was a solid to a uh, good show. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people say it was excellent. I'm like, I don't know about that. Uh, you you saw a really a really solid uh, Gorillas uh, of Destiny uh, versus Young Bucks match, which I thought was cool and le- is leading more credence to the fact that they may be on their way out since they lost to them. They lost they lost the tag titles to them. Uh, Juice Robinson versus Cody was just bewildering to me. I thought it, I, I don't, saw that result. I was like, "Yo, what's going on here?" I think Juice Robinson. There's a case that he ha- he may have the worst title run in wrestling history. I think it's a case of that was a terrible decision to make. This guy has lo- he lost damn near every match in the G1. Almost, uh, I, I think he lost maybe eleven times <laughs> that that uh, during that whole tournament. Um, and he he didn't win a a single match. He I think. What what title defenses did he have? I think this might have been his first one. I don't, and he lost. I don't remember, but I feel like it was a terrible decision booking him to lose. Um, I feel like it's the, not it's it's not a good decision. But the uh, the main event of uh, uh, the Golden Lovers versus uh, Ishii and Okada, I thought was a really really good uh, main event, following in the in the footsteps of like matches like the Lovers versus uh, the Bucks. I, I don't think it reached the levels of that match, but I thought it was very solid. And Okada was he was on um, during that match, and so was Kenny. I, I'll say that much. Kenny was very very much on during that match. Uh, but they announced the King of Pro Wrestling main event that happens this weekend uh, in Japan. They have a triple threat for the IWGP uh, championship. You know, we all wanted to see uh, Omega versus uh, Ibushi, but of course they had to throw Cody in because why not? Mm. Just just, just bewildering what they do as far as booking this Kenny Omega title run. I have no clue what the fuck they're thinking with with this match. I don't know who wanted to see this three-way. Yeah. No, one. I this mean, is, this is the second. This is the second uh, triple threat match in uh, IWGP title history. Also, I don't know what I mean. What's the? I don't want to say what's the obsession with Cody because obviously he's an attraction on the independent scene. But like, what's the true obsession? I don't know what the obsession with him having the with him getting title matches is. I just think yeah. this is ridiculous. It kind of, it's weird to me. It's it's very. I think it's actually concerning a little bit. Um, not to say that he, you know, it's not to say that he doesn't work hard, but at the same time, it's like <clears throat> some people aren't, in my opinion, I don't think Cody Rhodes is dynamic enough to be a world champion of any organization. Right. They're just to carry it. I think he has great matches. I think he has great matches from time to time and he tells a story, but I think that's really how it kind of goes. I don't know if he, he doesn't have the, to me, he doesn't have the full in-ring prowess as as Goldust, and he doesn't have the full charisma. Stardust. Or, 
No, I'm saying Goldust. Oh, oh, yeah. His yeah, brother yeah. Goldust, and he doesn't mm-hmm. have the true micmanship of his father. It's like somewhere in between, but it's really not the best of either world. He's kind of just like a guy ruling the independence scene. It's kind of weird. It's kind of. It, I think more people need to, you know, pay attention. To me, it's kind of like a bit of oversaturation as well. Uh, yeah, it, it it is. I absolutely agree. I, I I don't get the obsession. I think that it it's damning that New Japan is doing this, and when we really want to see this one this this one match, they could be saving it. I, they're 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 very much running out of time to do the Omega Ibushi title match if that's what they're going for because january is, is turning right you know it's, it's coming up uh and, and omega tanahashi is slated to be the main event for that but also in king of pro wrestling you have uh tanahashi versus jay white who i thought had a pretty really you know pretty good promo uh at fighting spirit uh at the fighting spirit show and i mean again it's a lot of white dudes in new japan a lot <laughs> of white dudes there are a lot of white dudes no black dudes just white dudes no women just white dudes uh, I, it's interesting to see where they're going to go after this Sunday, but uh, we, we are we are fully on the road to uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and they're they're clearly not stopping. No, not at all. Uh, next up, uh, the ratings. Have you been seeing this rating talk? I've seen the ratings talk. I mean, <clears throat> about mostly the Raw ratings. SmackDown ratings get no clout or <laughs> news articles. The SmackDown ratings are really good <laughs> for for the for that for that time slot. They're really good. Uh, SmackDown ratings get no clout, no talk about, no nothing. But the Raw ratings been consistently dropping. It dropped to a new low of viewership last week, and then it broke that you know that broke that record of low viewership this week once again in their last hour. Um, the, now I guess it's more so. Does this matter? I I don't think that it matters. I've seen people say like, you know, Raw isn't must watch, and I'm like, if that's the case, then a lot of shit on Monday isn't must watch because football's Raw isn't this year. must watch. By the way, mm. it, I mean not this week it wasn't, but I'm not saying that there, that there are people who aren't wired to watch this show. Right, I'm wired to watch the it. show. I'm I just am like it's ridiculous. Like I wish I could quit the show, but I can't. Like I, can't. I literally tried, and then in the middle of the show, I hear. Oh, Elias and Kevin Owens are getting major heat, and then I have to turn back on the fucking thing. And here I Absolutely. am, back watching wrestling, even though I said I was going to stop. I can't stop. I'm wired to it. It's weird. Um, but they do have a dedicated audience. It's not like they're doing terrible. It's not like they're popping like a one. You know, it's not like they're popping like a million. Once they get to a million, I think that's when they're hitting like Danger Red. Everyone needs to, you know. But I don't it's think still, it'll ever hit that. It's still the number one show in USA on Mondays. So many advertisements run through this show. You, they will be fine. They'll be fine. The okay. bag is already waiting for them. <laughs> the bag has been waiting. Relax. We're gonna be okay. When when uh, the fall hits and and all this all the football shit's done, they they return or or mania season. They're back to doing three O's. So I mean, yeah. like, what what are they really saying? You know, what are you really saying at this point? I mean, it just sort of shows that it's kind of in the lull. Do I think that they need better engaging programming? Hell the fuck yeah. Um, I thought Especially on Raw. Yeah, I thought especially when The Shield came back, it started something and then it kind of just like became a thing that it always was. But I think, uh, and, and I think they're trying something with the Dean, will he, won't he, whatever, but I don't think it's strong enough to actually drive a rating. I think we need a, 
um, or nor is the the Triple H uh, Undertaker type of thing, especially when their lowest thing was in the last hour and that segment occurred in the last hour. It just it, it just shows that people just eventually over the course of two hours just really just tuned out. Yeah, as always, and we're the only ones. I mean, I I missed the Raw Monday. I had to, I DVR through it, but oh come on, you know. all right, you're you're part of the problem, my friend. I missed it. I still DVR. They they pick up DVR. Like Nielsen doesn't matter that much anymore, and I, no. I think it's it's just weird. Uh, one more thing on, on No Holds Bar before we go right into um right into Super Showdown talk in our first interview. Uh, did you see the Undertaker interview with the pastor? All right, so I saw that it existed, but I didn't actually like watch. I got through like the four. I was like, okay, I think I got through the first two minutes, and then I was like, oh, it's time to clock out of work. So I, <laughs> um, uh, it's an excellent interview. I would really advise you to go back just to hear the Undertaker at his most open. I, I think I and I really enjoyed him talking about the early days of the character and him not thinking that he would have survived that much or survived this long if he hadn't had character. And just some of the things that, uh, or the knowledge that he imparts upon the younger generation, like don't worry about the flippy moves and stuff like that. Worry about the character. And I think that's something that they teach a lot of these guys at NXT. And that's why I think people like Kenny Omega will go down there because there has to be a distinct character for him to learn in order for him to survive there. And, and I think, and you know, you want to be honest, I think this is where people like Finn Balor kind of, they, they kind of falter because there's only one character that he has. And that, that only comes out every so often, you know? Other than right. that, what is Finn's character? And, and Undertaker, when, when he said that, I was like, you know what? There are a lot of people on that main roster that are, are floundering because they don't have that character. And right. um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. He, he really breaks down the psychology between character and action there. Um, and just in a way that someone who's in the business that long only can. Uh, he also tells a lot of really cool stories about Mark Henry, like the time Mark Henry moved the car that was blocking their tour bus with his bare hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he like just shit like that. And, and Undertaker's just knowledge and his love for the, for the business is um, it's really, really fascinating to just to hear him talk about uh, the business that he's in and just wrestling in general. And you know, who are his favorite guys? And um, he mentioned Sean and, and triple H and, and Cena, the, the praise he gives to Cena. He basically calls Cena like the greatest of all time. Wow. It's crazy. Huh. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely check out the Undertaker interview. Uh, it's, it's, we have we have one more bit of news. I, I opened up, and this is a plug. I've opened up the DailySmart.com. Shout out to okay. them. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. They're, they've included our podcast on their reel, so you know you can catch us in between the Jim Ross report and Talk Is Jericho and all this other stuff on the Daily Smart. We have to. Re- I mean, I think before we we just missed this entirely. Neville's back. Oh fuck! Wow, why did how did I forget about that? Because <laughs> it happened at the fucking six in the morning, and no one saw. It. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it, but never. But you know why I'm no one's back. really talking about it? No one, you know why it wasn't like a bigger twenty-four hour thing? Because, because he came back to Dragon Gate and not yes. New Japan. Yeah, I mean that's essentially it. I was wondering where I think Neville is someone who literally could have landed anywhere. He could have done anything, and I, th- I think just not only the bag would be immense, but his just presence would be immense. I think if he landed in TNA, it would have been a big deal, surely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> New Japan, big deal. Ring of Honor, big deal. Oh, they would have been parading in the streets if he went to fucking New Japan. Are you serious? <laughs> that's where they thought he was going to go. Like that, like, I think that's the funniest part was that like they thought he was going to go there, right, and didn't. And, you know... 
he went to Dragon Gate, but you know, he has history there. That was like the first promotion that really like kind of grabbed him up. And it it really shows that he has loyalty to, you know, that he has loyalty. And he went back to the place that really made him who he is. I think he is going to I don't know if he's like exclusively signed to Dragon Gate. But I feel like considering with this new independent, you know, wrestler model that has been occurring over the last number of years, I don't think Dragon Gate is going to be his only stop. Yeah. Nor should it be, quite honestly. But I'm glad he's back. He looks great. He looks similar. I thought he would have changed his look a bit, but he looks exactly the same. He is still the king of the cruiserweights. <laughs> he is still the king of the cruiserweights. Um, but you know what? I mean, it's good to have him back. I don't know if this brings any sort of new attention to Dragon Gate. Um, prolonged attention. But I think having Neville in just outside of the WWE continues to, you know, improve the health of wrestling outside of WWE. And I think, you know, having guys like Chris Jericho and, and, and Neville, and even, you know, I'm, I'm talking even as Cody Rhodes in the Bucks, even though I do think they're a little bit oversaturated and, you know, doing a lot. Um, I think it improves the health of the business just outside of the WWE. And we don't really get to see these like major talent, you know, go elsewhere and decide that, yeah. listen, I want to explore different things. And that's kind of what he's did, what he's done thus far. Yeah. I, you know, if anything, if I wasn't watching Dragon Gate before I am now, so True. I'm definitely going to check out his first show with them, his first shot with them. And um, I think everyone should, I think it's, it's good that he's able to, to, you know, get back to what he loves to do. And, and um, I'm glad to see that. I'm not sure if he's, you know, I'm, I can't speak, speak to his mental, uh, his, for his mental rather but i'm hoping that he's happy right now where where he's at and uh he deserves all the success well yeah shout out to shout out to shout out to Pac. i guess we're back to Pac now yeah so um uh meals we're gonna go ahead into our first interview of this show with stat guy greg from espn's gp uh you had to miss this interview I know you I, had to miss both interviews. From the I show. missed both interviews. Jeez, what am I doing being an amazing boyfriend? I don't know. <laughs> I missed both interviews, so I'm very mad. I missed both interviews, especially you know the stat guy Greg one. I wanted to be there. Um, Ernest one. I've also wanted to be there. I don't think we fully ever chopped it up, but I know these discussions that you, these sit downs you had. You, you put your Michael Cole hat on and. Yeah. <laughs> And you engage, and we had the hard hitting questions, and you're absolutely. Like, you know, so uh, we're we're gonna get into the first interview with Stack Guy Greg because we're going into the Super Showdown this weekend. We we you know show must go on, even though it's HO fifty. We're we're I, we're gonna talk about uh, the Undertaker versus Triple H with Stack Guy Greg. We're also gonna talk about a lot of other things such as uh, the role and the the shift of WWE's programming and how they face inclusion uh, in this in this new generation. So check out this interview. Me and Mills will be right back. Uh, on the A Show 50. Be right back. All right, all right. You are listening to the 50th episode of the A Show. I am Justin. Mills had to go uh, pump some weights really quick. <laughs> so that leaves room <laughs> for our first, our next guest, not our first guest. We've had guests before. Our next guest on the show, I uh, want to welcome someone who has just become a huge influencer in the pro wrestling space, especially for people of color. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I'm, I'm very, very honored for him to be on the show. Welcome, Stat Guy Greg from Cheap Heat on the show. <laughs> Thank you, man. You're far too kind. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I, I got to be. You are you are the number one uh, Roman Reigns defender. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm a truther. I'm a Roman Reigns truther. 
Uh, but, but yeah, man, like, like I said, you know, in that, in that very nice intro, I always got to give people like a really nice intro. You've kind of like it, it, within cheap heat, like you were there during the Schumacher days, you know, yeah, like kind of, kind of like kind of in the background, you know, and then like, you know, Schumacher, uh, Schumacher left and did his own thing and you kind of like moved up and you kind of got called up, so to speak from, from NXT <laughs> <laughs> exactly all the way up to the main roster. And you've become really a, a big influencer kind of in the pro wrestling podcast space, especially for people of color. Um, how does it feel to just, you know, have moved up and, and, you know, for people to think of you in that way? I didn't know that people thought of me in that way. So to, oh, yeah. to, yeah, to hear that for the first time is like, it feels good, but it feels honestly like too much praise for what I do because <laughs> I do the same thing everybody else does, though, right? Like we watch and then we have opinions and then we share those opinions. And so, like, I don't think that my opinion is necessarily, you know, better or more valuable than anybody else's. But but what's crazy I just happen to have a good spot. What's crazy about it is that, like, there aren't a lot of us in this space, you know, like. You could probably count a lot of, especially like doing it to this level, so to speak, you know, like you could probably count, you know, a couple of people on, on one hand, but like one thing that stuck out to me was a couple of months ago when I I had started just this huge uh, Donnie Brook, so to speak. (laughs) Things kicked off. (laughs) Yeah. Over, over the star casting. We had a very big uh, conversation about that around maybe eight episodes ago, I think. Um, you basically, you flexed on somebody who was like, listen, I'm on ESPN. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to do that though. Like I don't, <laughs> but you have to, you, 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 but you have to, like you, you've like, your, your like reputation precedes itself. And it's something that and you're somewhere that people, you know, they dream of being like, I, you know, when me and Mill started the A show, it, you know, we say this all the time. It was just random. I just called them, you know, and now 50 episodes in, we're thinking about what's next. And, you know, that's obviously somewhere that we want to be. Yeah. And, but like, it's, it's strange too, that I had to do that to me anyway, because like, all right, I don't think of myself like that, but then it was that same time. It was like, here's what we're not going to do. Right. Right. Like, so Starcast is going on and they're pulling in these people. And then like, you know, it was this thing that everybody wants to be a part of. And I'll be honest, I want to be a part of it too, but the scheduling was just not working out. Like, I was going to be flying to London a week later and I was be damned if I was going to spend all my London money you know, <laughs> that me and my lady could have had in Chicago, you know, without her. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. nothing against like the wrestling fans and the marks because you guys know I show up to SummerSlam, WrestleMania, all that type of stuff. But it was like all in was I knew it was going to be huge. But at the same time, like I wasn't going to spread myself that thin. And then on top of that, you know, Rosenberg um wasn't available either so like this wasn't a thing that we could do together right and it wasn't a thing that i was going to be able to do without him so it was just like whatever it's happening without us like fine and even as people were like you know mentioning my name as um a person of color in the space that they could have reached out to you know and that was kind of like the first time i was like the first time you had heard that i remember you saying it like oh shit i didn't even realize that i didn't realize i didn't i I didn't and like it felt cool but at the same time it was like you know i'm not they didn't reach out to me but it didn't matter like Mm -hmm. i literally didn't care until people started to be like well you know these are nobodies anyway and i'm like okay here's this is what we're not gonna do right because 
you know, no disrespect to, you know, the Vince Russo's and the Disco Inferno's and those people, but like, yo, they're hanging on to the past, honestly. Yeah. And there's, uh, it, it, there's a finite amount of, of times that they can go back to that well, because eventually it's going to dry up and nobody's going to care about your stories from 1998 or they're not going to need you to tell those stories. Yeah. Whereas like what I'm doing, like I'm doing something that not a lot of people are doing any color, any gender. And I'm, I'm, you know, I have the best partner in the world, you know, Peter Rosenberg, um, David Shoemaker was there for a time. Like the team that we've built and like the camaraderie that we have, like, there's no levels to that. You can't compete with that. Yeah. Like so, it, it was really unmatched for the time. Yeah. And, you know, just again, like I look up to seeing stuff like that and I'm like, you know, I want to be again on that level, but I thought that it was, you know, and again, I, I have to thank you just personally, like for the first time, I didn't say this even before we tra- cut, you know, we went hot here. Like, you know, I have to thank you for kind of having my back there, you know, uh, during that, that day that everything was happening because it was, Again, I hate to be like the broken record for it, but somebody had to speak out for it, you know, and, and I, I think that they should really reach out. Any any convention should reach out, not just StarCast. Every single one of them, Russell Khan, everything should reach out to people of color. And I'm glad you I'm glad you said something, because like I said, I didn't see it just because, you know, I was in my little bubble of like, it's it's not affecting me. I had my plans yeah. so like I didn't see it. And like me, me already knowing that I couldn't make it and I could only be a spectator. I wasn't even in tune to what like other people like me would want. So when you say that and I step away from it, you know, and look at the big picture, you're right. And I know Mega Ran was a part of it, but like there could always be more. You don't yeah. want anybody to feel like, you know, I don't want to use the word token cause I don't think he is, but you don't want to feel like you check the box and then you can move on. Cause like you said, they, they could always be more. And it was a blind spot. And I'm, I'm glad you raised the point because I want to see them do it again. And then hopefully with this in mind, they could do it um, bigger and better again. But uh, um, like I said, what what we're not going to do is have like <laughs> Joe Blow, like at Joe Blow, one, two, three, tell me. It's not worth level, it. Yeah. What level I'm, I'm at. Like, you're not going to downgrade my accomplishments. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. we, we, I sold out, um, Highline Ballroom for my first Cheap Heat Live. You know, the second Cheap Heat Live we gave away for free and Jinder Mahal pulled up with the WWE Championship. Right, um, yeah. And then this, this Cheap Heat Live, uh, my boy was joking about it, but it's true. Technically, it was on Broadway. So I had a Broadway show for Cheap Heat Live that just ran through this summer. People came out, sold tickets, bought merch. You know, I've met celebrities mm-hmm. that, that listen to the show and uh, enjoy me on the show, you know, um, Barry Blaustein. Um, talk your shit. Talk your Rick shit. Rubin, like Skylar <laughs> Aston. Like I could name name, but I don't like, I don't see myself like that. But then when you come at me, then obviously I'm like, okay, that's don't disrespect me. Yeah. Talk so your that's shit. really all that was like, I'm not me being braggadocious. So like, I don't, I really don't feel that way about myself, but at the same time, like you had to respect what I've done. Even if you don't listen to it, just like, don't write me off with everybody else. Yeah. And, and I, I'm hoping that, you know, when the time comes in, in, in one year, uh, that we'll have more people in that space. Hopefully you guys can come out. Cause I, I mean, I'll definitely show up. I mean, I've had conversations with, I had a testy conversation with, with, with Conrad that day. <laughs> yeah. And it shouldn't have been though. Like it should have been that. Cause like <laughs> everybody sees things differently. You know, it's all about perspective. Like you don't share perspective, but like, 
if you just trying to make this thing as big as it can be, you want to be able to reach out to as many different audiences as you can. Yeah. And not just say, Oh, anybody could come, you know, anybody could come uh, <laughs> to this, you know, anybody could, could, could do this. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't make it, we didn't make any rules. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have to say, you have to invite, you know, like we're not usually invited into a space. What's wrong with <laughs> just inviting us? Like we're never invited. You can't just say, oh, you could have came if you wanted to. No, I mean, people had to pay or I, I think some people had to pay to get in. But, you know, the, the StarCast rivalry feud, uh, <laughs> it culminated that week. And it's just one of the many things that happened on the A-Show in our first 50 episodes, our first yeah. year as, as a tandem. Uh, but as we were moving along here, uh, I want to talk about Super Showdown, Greg. I want to talk yeah. about last time ever, I think. I, I, they should put a parenthesis around last time ever. And yeah, like, no, like we, a little asterisk. Like, yeah, like we think. <laughs> uh, Undertaker and Triple H, this is a very, very... They've been pushing this match since early September. Uh, and it will not, it will now, it's finally, you know, it's finally culminating. It's, it's ran through what, two pay-per-views almost of building yeah. the match. Uh, it is Triple H. It is the Undertaker for the last time ever. I'm pretty sure it might really be the last time ever. Cause I don't know if Undertaker is going to be taking too many more flights across the world like that. I know that like people don't realize, man, I'm tall. So I, I'm not as tall as the Undertaker, but those seats on those airplanes, like they're tiny. They, damage to you like my knees are the uh, shot after like a long flight so he's been doing that for all these years i can't imagine that just that alone yeah causes for problems sure. for sure I, I'm, I'm sure vince will probably loan the uh the wwe jet he better at least loan out the wwe jet but how do you feel just about just the match in general like i, I know there's been a, a lot of apathy on the on the match and i know meals like really isn't like a huge fan of, of like kind of wasting a slot <laughs> there for yeah. it. But of course it's the Melbourne Australia show. They don't show up there often. And this might be the last time they could ever see the undertaker. Cause there's no telling when they'll come back. Uh, but how do you feel about it? Uh, so I'm sort of with meals on this one. Not so much that like I'm ambivalent, but I, I, I don't like that it's happening and here's why. Right. So you think of like the biggest stars in wrestling, right? Right. Certain names always come to mind. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H. And then you think about what do those guys have in common, even though they're all from different eras. And the the thing that they all have in common, like all across the board, is that people from the previous era were not around right. when they were coming up. So they right. got to go to that level and then pass it because they didn't have to worry about, like Hogan never had to worry about Pedro Morales or Bruno San Martino or somebody like that coming back to jump in the spotlight for wrestling. Yeah, there was no novelty factor back then. No, like, you know, there was Andre, but he slammed Andre and then became a megastar. You know what I mean? And The Rock, you know, lost to Cena for the championship and then that's when people started really like respecting cena like oh okay but this is already after he took an l to the rock right and it's the same thing with the rock though like the rock didn't have hogan or savage popping up to to jump in on one of those attitude era manias and you think about the stars today they always have to deal with that and it's like they're never going to get to that level if you keep breaking that glass yeah and then sending out triple h or this person or that person in this case now it's triple h and the undertaker and it's like yo what are you doing to your stars like they yeah. can't they and can't hit least, that pinnacle 
at least Roman got to beat Taker, you know, and, and that was a rare moment where the, the part-timer actually took the L. Like, there's yeah. very rarely any times when, like, I can remember actually really being quite upset that Punk didn't beat Brock because I was like, you know, Punk's, he, he's, you know, he's there. But to me, this match, it affirms that, like you said, this, this is a rare moment in time where these older stars can join the newer stars here. But it's also on the other end, it's like, uh, really, what is this, who, who is this serving? In the, in the end, like is it serving those last couple of people that watched their Hell in a Cell match eight years ago almost, and we're like, you know what, we got we got what we needed there. Like we got to do it again. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know that anybody was clamoring for this. I don't like like you said, Roman beating the Undertaker put like that perfect. It was the perfect way to do it for everybody. Like right, <laughs> Roman got that rub of of you know beating the undertaker at wrestlemania which is just him and brock that did it yeah um the undertaker went out in a last blaze of glory and then like his story was told but then he opened up again for cena next year so it's like you threw that away almost yeah and it was like roman to me got to get the the last laugh so to speak he got to put the nail in the coffin of the undertaker. And I was like, okay, this is finally, cause I, you know, you always think of like these uh, generational shifts and mm-hmm. remember when, when stone cold BHBK, that was a shift. That was yeah. like the beginning of that shift. And I always, I always look back to WrestleMania 30 as a shift. I thought that was the moment where it was like, okay, every, everything's coming together. And then it didn't WrestleMania 31. I was like, okay, Seth Rollins won at the end. Like yeah, everything's coming yeah. together. Then it didn't. And then it's like the Roman thing. It was like, we might not have liked the match, but it was like, okay, everything is finally coming together. Let's get it on. It's like, I, and I understand there's so much content that they have to put out, but it's like now if, you know, if the Undertaker wins this match, then what, you know, like yeah, not, know. nothing. <laughs> it, he's, he's won three times before he's three and all against the guy. Uh, and in these types of big, you know, big match environments, but uh, when Triple H wins, because I think Triple H is going to win. I think let's so just, too. I let's just so. get it out there. I, I, and I and I think this leads the way to HBK coming back, which is my next point uh, of HBK being there at Super Showdown. He will be in Triple H's corner, and Kane will be in Undertaker's corner. We are really kind of leading into a three to six month uh, program between two wrestlers that are either over fifty or in their late forties. Yeah, and all should just go away like they all have (laughs) and i love them i love them when they could do what they were doing at the highest level but like right now i feel like because yo kane kane should be a mayor somewhere right now the undertaker should be enjoying the ranch and you know Shawn michaels has his family you know he has coaching duties at the performance center triple h has a billion dollar company to help run like they don't they they'll be fine away from the wrestling ring, and I don't you know how much it is that itch. Yeah, <laughs> the bag. I, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can understand coming back for a couple of dollars, though. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's really the bag, like it, like because I mean we mentioned it on, on the show. Like the Saudi bag is really going to make uh, HBK come back for a singles match. Like the, like either whether it's a tag match or uh, that they're saying Brothers of Destruction versus DX or the uh, rumored Survivor Series match that I personally don't think is going to happen. They they have you have you heard that they're going to run back HBK Taker in November? I did I did hear that I heard that um, today actually and it would be it would be shocking but I wouldn't be that shocked because that's that's been the formula lately though like yeah bring somebody back and there's only three people when you come back that you fight it's either Brock <laughs> Rock. 
or Taker. When you come back, those are the only yeah. people that you fight. Because like Triple H is kind of like a, I would say he's like a, he's a part timer, but he'll at least show up to the Rumbles and your and your Mania and stuff like that. Like when when it's around Survivor Series time, you know it's time to start building that Triple H program. But I, I think the novelty of, of HBK will definitely get them some money this year because he's he's been gone for so long, almost ten years. Yeah. But I mean. To me, it's like it's a waste. Like I don't want to see him against Taker again. I don't think they can recapture that magic, no matter yeah. how good HBK still is. I, I, I mean, when he came out at Dallas, right? Yeah, he looked he looked good. I'll admit, and maybe that's because I had these seats that were just like <laughs> maybe. What a stunt! What a flex! Nah, no, maybe it was because like his sweat could have hit me from him just throwing a punch. <laughs> I, like man, like. I get the Shawn Michaels hype right now, but like he had the muscles, like he let he can go, but then he cut his hair. And now I don't know if he can be like, you know what I mean? I don't believe it anymore. It's sort of like Samson. He cut his hair and now is he still the sexy boy? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And that would be something that we got to see later on. But um, as for this match, that's the part of it that I don't get. Like, what do you think the work rate is going to be for this? Just knowing what Taker is capable of. I don't see this going. Like, there's going to be a lot of pageantry involved, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I see it going 15. I know a lot of people said 10. A lot of people said, like, 5, 9. Doesn't need to go. I think just as Triple H we're talking about, people, it's going to go 15. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is going to be, like, them staring at each other. There's <laughs> going to be a lot of, like, them not touching each other that stretches out the clock, but... Yeah, I don't know what the work rate is going to be like just because when Cena came back, when Undertaker came back for Cena, excuse me, at this WrestleMania that just passed, that was so... Did you like that? I liked... I, I, I thought it was what it was needed. I thought it was what it needed to be. It's what, yeah, I, don't I go want back to and them, forth on it because I, I didn't want to see them have like a classic either, but then like it was one of those things that it was so so quick that it was like why why did you do that with any of them? after after the then they had like a two-hour story of cena remember like cena was in the in the crowd and then he was like undertaker's here and then he went to go change yeah. and <laughs> took like 30 i'm like who is uh who, who the fuck is uh you know who the fuck is, is timing this out and making the storyline? Like, should Cena could just go back and say, okay, I want this slot right here. I want you to push back Oscar uh, Charlotte a little bit. Like, <laughs> right. did he do that, bro? Like, no. But I, I really, like, I get what you're saying. Like, re- regardless of, of what it is, like, I, I think that at the end of the day, I, I just want to see a, a short match. It's already going to be really early in the morning. I'm not, I'm probably not going to watch this until the next day, honestly. Yeah, same. And, uh, but I think there's just so many other strong matches on this car. I mean, obviously, uh, Samoa Joe versus AJ, they're having a tremendous program. Uh, you got Charlotte and Becky and stuff like that going on. But I'm like, it's getting overshadowed by these geriatric dudes, you know, who I love. I love Paul. Paul is <laughs> yeah. all hail. <laughs> all hail, Paul Levesque. But I think that it's, it's really like, you know, it's for them. It's for the Australian fans. Maybe we, we might be thinking about it a little bit too hard. But I, I think about the things that are going to happen when we come out of this match, which is Survivor Series is obviously going to be, you know, there's going to be something there. And a Crown Jewel, which everyone already hates, there's going to be something there as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the Crown Jewel hate. Um, oh, man. I, I think the Crown Jewel hate is a lot of people that uh, care about the – some people care. I will say some people really do care about it, but they're not. I don't think that they think about it uh, through the lens of WWE trying to enact the change by being the first. 
yeah. but there are a lot of people who are complaining that don't really care about the women in the first place. Yeah. And the other thing too is like, I don't know that they care about the people there either. Cause like, yeah. you know, I, I saw people, I saw a tweet way back around the first Saudi show that was like, yeah, WWE is doing business with a terrible regime and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, are you talking about Trump? Or are you talking about Saudi Arabia? Like they do. WWE is based in America. Right. So like that moral high ground, whatever that you want, to <laughs> we can't even touch it. Like it doesn't even come close. Like, and, and that's especially true of being an American. Like if you want to participate in a capitalist society and enjoy entertainment, you just got to know that something messed up is happening in the background. Right. Affect the change where you can. And then where you can't, you still got to be a participant in society you right. still need your peace of mind. Like, I know the WWE is not the perfect company. Absolutely not. I mean, they took the bag. I mean, they took the yeah. Saudi bag. And you know what? You know, if I was a company that was near a billion and they want to stay at a billion, I'm taking the bag too. Of course. <laughs> 100 <laughs> Everybody is taking that money. But, but at the same time, too, like, we see WWE is trying to change. So when they come out and openly say that this is what they're trying to do over there and we see that they're trying to do it here, we got to let them try. And that's the problem with the wrestling fans in general, not just um, with these Saudi shows, but in general, WWE starts a story and like right from the beginning, people try to cut it off at the knees and then, you know, sabotage it. Right. If they fail to do what they're setting out to do, then fine. Mm-hmm. But we got to at least let them try. Yeah, and that's with the Saudi show and with these storylines and everything. Like, if they're gonna fail, cool. But like, to sabotage them, what do you get out of that? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, obviously, the Roman storyline, the three-year storyline for him was indefensible. I think you know, but it ended well. But I think I, uh, one storyline that I think that like eventually you got your way was I. And I'll say this: it'll probably be controversial. The Nakamura storyline. I think that a lot of people were waiting for the AJ match. They got mm-hmm. the AJ match, and you know, people didn't realize like. Nakamura nor AJ are where they were when they had that match in 2016. They're just, they just, they're just not, they're not where they were. But I think what you did get, you got Nakamura changing. He hasn't changed in two years before that. You got Nakamura being a a shit heel and finally having matches that at least lived up to what he was supposed to be living up to. And then you finally got him getting a title at the end of it. So in the end, you got what you wanted. You just they just didn't give it to you the way they, that you wanted it to, and that's the the mark of a true storyteller is to not tell it the way that you that the people want you to tell it in that exactly. in that way. And you know, it, it, I mean, even Charlotte and Becky, you know, that's the, been the hottest storyline probably in the company. I want to say this whole year. I mean, people thought it was going to be heel turn, and it's not. It ends up being Becky being whoever she wants to be. And I think, you know, you have these defined characters. And it, I mean, even right back to Triple H and Undertaker, you have these defined characters that kind of live by their own rules. And they let, you got to let them tell the story. That's why I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm worried about what's going to happen after the Super Showdown. But, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of this, this storyline and where it leads Triple H and where it leads Undertaker. And I mean, more importantly, where it's going to lead HBK. Because I want that AJ Styles match. Yeah, and uh, I, I want the AJ Styles match too. <laughs> um, <laughs> before I go too far away from that, I want the AJ Styles match too. But to um, to go back to something you said, uh, you like you, you we do have to let them tell the story. And I sort of want your opinion on something because what's up? You you mentioned WrestleMania thirty as a shift. 
and I want to float this idea by you. I, I feel like WrestleMania 30 was a shift in um, a negative way. I feel like it was masterful storytelling by WWE. Yeah. But what ended up happening, like we're still living with the consequences because um, the Daniel Bryan story, right? Mm-hmm. They made the fans such a big part of that story, like never before, that going forward, fans felt like they could control the show in certain ways. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, they they live with that to this day through Roman Reigns. Like fans didn't realize that, like, okay, this was part of the story, and now that the story's over, we want the pen back. So now fans try to like hijack shows and sabotage storylines and then you know, that represents a, represented a shift in how the fans consume the product, but mm-hmm. also, like, it's forcing them to, like, sort of be combative with us when yeah. we should just be let, sitting down and letting them tell the stories. Well, I think 30 was the, really, like, the perfect storm of a lot of things going right and a lot of things going wrong. Uh, I think you look at Punk in January before that leaving. Mm-hmm. That caused a lot of fan distrust in the in the product because I think if he had stayed the the batista win would have went over a lot well a lot better than it did Mm -hmm. because you know you would have probably had punk triple h at 30 and but the thing is you're still at a disservice because you know for every right there's a wrong daniel bryan was still like doing the wyatt program you know yeah (laughs) and and, uh i I think from there i absolutely agree because punk leaving to me ended what i like to call the reality era where things were they were, you know, everything was shoot at the point, but yeah. to a point, you know, where it wasn't like WCW, everything is a shoot. Everything's a shoot, but we know what's going on. Uh, I think the shift to me, 30 is a generational shift, but don't, don't you, wouldn't you agree that the generational shift to the Brian era or the, you know, where they started pushing smaller guys, that meant that the guys that love these smaller guys, the vocal fans started thinking that the WWE product was for them. Yeah, and then it kind of leads you to the network era because that's really what Thirty was. Thirty was the, the advent of WWE. It was. It was coming. the very first um, wrestle pay per view on network, right? Yeah. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we you lead us into the network era where it's like this is because remember in 2014, no one thought that again. And people brought this up the other uh, earlier, I think a couple of weeks ago. You know, WWE is all about cross promotion. They're all about branding. Thirty was that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the branding era and i i really believe that like with that comes the woke the woke people it comes the problematic people it comes with everything and i think wwe is still struggling to juggle because i'm like even though you don't mention trump you don't talk about he's in the hall of fame you don't talk about linda anymore either you still have to live with that and you still have to live with the hulk hogan stuff you got to live with everything and, and they have yeah. a very hard balance between the political stuff and the social stuff that they have to deal with. And you're right. The fans are combative. And I do feel like it was a shift positively in that we got, I mean, Adam freaking Cole is in WWE. Yeah. And, and I think that had 30 not have happened the way like punk leaving was more instrumental in having Brian move up, but Brian winning that freaking title was instrumental in those guys moving up to yeah. me. And it, it's so true, man. Like, Remind me to tell you something about Adam Cole off air. Sorry, guys. I know this is the 50th episode special, but <laughs> no scoops. You know, yeah, no scoops. <laughs> no scoops for you. But um, but no, you you said something that I think is so true too. I feel like people give CM Punk um way too much credit in terms of opening the door for the indie guys yeah, on the no. roster. Because mm-hmm. when you look at it, right? 
when CM Punk delivers his pipe bomb, uh, Sami Zayn is already on his way to yeah. the company. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan is already there. Daniel Bryan, I believe, had already had a world title run. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, he was. Uh, he was. Rollins is there. Yeah. Cesaro is there. Chris Hero had come and gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they, they famously have published that list with, like, all these indie names. And this is before Punk gives his pipe bomb and does that. So to say that he's the reason that WWE started taking a look at all these indie guys is false because they were already there. And as a matter of fact, it's been Vince's MO since the 80s to raid talent. Right. So you think he wasn't snatching up indie guys? Or, or at least that. Yeah, he'd been doing that forever. He just didn't he didn't do more of it just because CM Punk did that. Like he was already doing it. Yeah, and, and I think uh, again it's important to note that Brian winning that they, they see really again we talk about this shift. They saw what the story was with Brian. It was someone mm-hmm. who came from nothing. Why not grab these diamonds in the rough, help them create our developmental people? And also make them stars as well, because we can do it better than ROH. We can do it better than New Japan. We can do it better than whoever. Because look at that August after 30, Finn Balor comes. Yep. Kenta comes. Yep. Kevin Owens comes. Like, they opened up the floodgates. And, you know, a lot of those people were people that Seth knew and wrestled before. Like, at that point, Punk hadn't really... Punk hadn't wrestled any of these guys. Yeah. No, these are all guys... Like, he might have encountered... Um, Kevin Owens, you know, in an ROH locker room at some point in the past. But yeah. but for the most part, like you said, these are guys that they didn't wrestle punk. They might no. have known him <laughs> through some circles. But He like, was their big homie. He was probably their big homie in ROH. Yeah. Or, or in the Indies. They didn't. Come on. These are like, like you said, yeah. Seth probably introduced them to these guys. Or like Seth knew these guys, but it, it wasn't punk. It was far from. Um, that door had already been open. He came in. He did his thing with it. But like. To make him this indie wrestling messiah that oh no WWE the way and the thing you know what's crazy is that if you would ask 2014 I, was, I don't know if you've always felt this way but maybe 2000 maybe I'm speaking for myself 2014 me would have been like this is bullshit <laughs> CM Punk is the the greatest of all time but you see what happens when again I mean WWE gets to kind of write their own fate here again sure yeah. <laughs> but at the end but in the end it's like it, the proof is in the pudding here it's like. These guys were they were gonna be stars regardless. They're they were running out of these big guys to push. They were all yeah. getting injured. They were all getting wellness violations. They were. <laughs> like they or they were getting booed and they had to make that shift. And again, I got a big shout out to fucking uh William Regal and Paul Levesque and all these people yeah. that that recognize that the future is, is there. Like when I went to the PC the other week uh for the WWE 2K19 thing. And I just saw all these guys just together. I and you know the biggest thing to me, Greg, is that like a lot of these guys are people of color. You know, yeah, it, it, I, it was it was Ricochet, it was Dream, it was Leo, and then you turn around, they're on TV. And that's how I was introduced <laughs> to um, Bianca Belair too. Like before she had ever hit NXT television, I think like the WWE account randomly one day was just like, oh, these are the new recruits at the Performance Center. They released right. like you know, them working out. And she was killing. Like, she was lifting. She was like, it was, it was ridiculous. This was maybe like 18 months ago. I was just like, she's going to be a star. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I, I, I really think that, like, the future is, I mean, the future is indie. <laughs> even though, like, <laughs> yeah. even though I, I really do feel like they need to give it a rest and let the indies have time to rebuild a little bit. But uh, the future is indie. And the future is everything in the WWE. And, and I think that, you know, 
we got another WrestleMania coming up and it's back in New York. And uh, these cards are fully NXT now. Like last WrestleMania, yeah. I think every single one minus AJ, Rousey, uh, you know, the usual suspects, they were all NXT. No, the AJ match was Nakamura, so he had an NXT up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, I think it was just the Rousey match um, that didn't have anybody that came that up through NXT. NXT. And, and I mean, it had Paul in there, who, who's the daddy. So essentially, yeah. you know, again, we, we, have, we have shifted into a, a, a new world here. And uh, will you be watching Super Showdown? I won't be watching live, but I will be watching Super Showdown. You're gonna be on a plane somewhere or some shit. You're gonna no, be no, I'm gonna be, I'll be at home, man. <laughs> All I gotta right, stop traveling. So, oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, Greg, thank you for being on the show. Is there anything you want to push? Uh, anything you want? You want to uh, promote before you before you head out of here? Yeah, we just recorded um Cheap Heat right before you contacted me, so I definitely want to promote that new episode of Cheap Heat. It's available on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Cheap Heat, it's myself and Peter Rosenberg. We usually break down the week that was in professional wrestling um, each and every week. It's usually out by Friday. Mad hot takes. So, about a, so about, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, scorcher. <laughs> Yo, people people get mad at me. Like, I say, I, I, I mean, I thought I was stating the obvious when I say some things, but I'll say something and, like, people will come at me on Twitter, man. Uh, <laughs> at stat guy, Greg on Twitter and Instagram. If I've said anything today that you heard that you disagree with, um, feel free to come at me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, every week, every week I manage to say something that pisses somebody off, man. But uh, where can they follow you at on Twitter, man? Yeah. At stat guy, Greg on Twitter. Um, and at stat guy, Greg on Instagram. All right. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Greg, for joining us on the 50th episode of, of the A Show. I think uh, Mills is done cleaning and jerking right now, <laughs> on <laughs> whatever he does. So we'll be right back uh, with our next segment. We'll be right back. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. This is Stokely Hathaway, and I wanted to say happy 50 episodes to the A Show. They are the kings of podcasting. And guess what? No one does it better. All right. Shout out. To my homeboy, Stat Guy Greg, and shout out to Stokely Hathaway for coming back in. Stokely was the first person to ever give us a drop. Man, shout out to Stokely Hathaway, bro. Stokely's the first person to give us a drop. He gave us a drop, and you know what? I I like that he called us the kings of podcasting. I like that. Let's take it and run with it. Let's let's run with that. Me me and Mills, kings of podcasting. Let's run with that shit. Shout out to Stokely for giving us another drop. Uh, and, and just showing so much love. He, he's a big fan of the show. He listens to the show. Um, and I got so much love for this guy, man. Whatever he does, I'm always going to support it. So shout out to him. Follow him at Stokely Hathaway on Twitter. But let's get into more Super Showdown talk. Uh, Mills, but before I didn't really get to, we, we didn't talk about what you thought. Do you think Undertaker or Triple H is going to win? Oh, my God. Um, shit. Does this match even matter? Um, yeah. <laughs> I Triple think it H. does matter. I think Triple it does H. matter. Triple H wins. Triple H wins. I feel like Triple H hasn't had a, a substantial win in a long time. Undertaker wins ever. So, I mean, we remember Undertaker. Undertaker's entire basis of his career is being remembered for being the most winningest guy at WrestleMania. Yeah. So, I think he can take a loss in Australia. Um, but... It's a it's a big program. I mean, look at the close of Raw. It, it, it closed Raw. It had this sort of big monumental feel to it where, you know, Shawn Michaels is coming out, you know, with the baldy. Um, are you? Are why, you why did he shave his head? I've, because uh, did you listen to that episode when I found out that he shaved his head? 
and that I was, was one of the funniest episodes. That's one of the funniest episodes we've ever had. I legitimately cried. Like I was legitimately crying because I was like, he looks dumb. Um, <laughs> but he's gonna have to grow out his hair again. This is not this. This baldy ain't hitting. I'm sorry. You don't. He's not pulling it off well. I'm just sorry. I don't know. Maybe the beard got to come fuller. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, he looked a little a little weird. Um, we'll see what the bald look goes. I, I think he's trying to master Triple H with the baldy. Yeah, but you know what? I, you know, I don't think you need to be matching with your best friend and crazy like that. One keep hair, one don't have hair. I know who can tell <laughs> between which now. And you older than him. What you like, you know, jacking at Steve's. <laughs> like, come on. Come on, Sean. You just, you know, you're the heartbreak kid. You were the originator. You're the headliner. You're the main eventer. And now your hairline has gone so far. Ah, like, come on. You, you think you should get a hairpiece or a wig? Ooh. I think the wig. I think you should get a wig. Or a bundle. Get I think you should nice, get bundles. You could have get a nice dark Caesar. Some crazy. I don't know. A could've nice kept... dark Caesar on a white dude? <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> I don't know how white dudes classify their haircuts. All right, bro. I think we gotta ask Eric Abris how you oh, we got- <laughs> shout out to Eric on Lake Peace. Oh my um, god. But yeah, I, I think Triple H is gonna win too. Um first off on, on this card, Lashley and Cena versus Owens and Elias. I think this is probably your uh make the crowd happy match. Who's making the crowd happy? <laughs> Uh, them them winning, <laughs> oh. the, the Cena and Lashley winning. I think Elias does get a concert though. I think he will get a concert. This is like a four and a half hour show. We they got a lot of time. About it. We have to talk about it on Raw. The amazing, oh, incredible, the most vociferous, the most, you know, I think just the sustained heat. I don't know what it was with Seattle. Seattle wasn't with it. It wasn't with Seattle the shits. Don't, they don't play with that basketball team bullshit, and they need to stop doing that with them because Elias was about to get murdered. He was about to get murdered by a thousand former Seattle Supersonics fans. Um, listen, that segment was incredible in terms of Kevin Owens and, 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 and Elias. And you can tell in Elias' eyes the moment he had him. He was like, oh, mm-hmm. gotcha. And Kevin and he, Owens just he was knows. Milking, he was milking him throughout the whole so even even interrupted uh even interrupted uh Leo to to continue to fuck with them. How do you feel about Leo Rush not immediately capitalizing on the fact that I feel like this was a moment where you could have been like, oh, this is a lie. All you had to do was say something about the Seattle Sonics and you were money for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of stuck to the script. And I, you know, I, I'm cool with him sticking to the script because if you're not that good yet, don't sure. be trying to don't be trying to break the you know don't try and break the mold. Right. Don't I, try and be different. I mean, all you had to do. I I, I would have been backstage. I was like Wiki, Wikipedia. I was like, yo, who's the best on the super? Gary Payne? Like who? who uh, Kevin Durant? Like some? I don't know. But, there, but there's nobody. But here's the thing. There's nobody that could have predicted that that was going. He needed to be on. You know. He needed to be on immediately. You know what I'm saying? Like he needed right. to be able to, to to freelance the shit. If it was New Day, I think they would have cleaned up. Oh, absolutely. But I think I I don't I don't hold him. I don't, I'm not going to hold that against him too heavily. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I'm I'm completely okay that with him not um with him not you know going against the grain and doing that. Right. I feel like he's still it, it kind of threw him off a little bit because right. uh, he had to he had to promote Cena and they're still booing and then they're going to boo Cena and then you know. 
Well, you got to talk about Bobby Lashley so yeah, damn much. Elias. And, <laughs> and he has to set up the match, albeit just like everyone's like, are you here to save us? That's essentially what it was. I think if it was Cena, if Cena came out, oh, it would have been it would have been over for Elias. It would have yeah. been called you know, all types of shit. But, you know, it is what it is. But in terms of this actual match, um, the faces are going, you know. Yeah, they're going to go over. They're, they're going to go over. over. I think Cena's probably going to try and do like a fucking Code Red or a one-winged angel or something. I don't know what something. he's going to try. My Cena man is good, old. man. What? You call that good? Cena's good. <laughs> doesn't look natural. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that hair piece. My God. Bro, he's going through it, man. He's, 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 been, listening to, he's been listening to Future Throwaway every night. <laughs> <laughs> man looks, uh, he's like yo i've dropped so much weight i was like you look you look gross you're like you a small gross. you're like a small white man dog so, crazy talk about nikki bella and john cena oh my god nikki bella hasn't seen john cena since they broke up this is the first time they're gonna see it super showdown what could go down i don't know uh well eh, you know they'll probably say hi john would do the hello hello nicole <laughs> <laughs> hello nicole hello nicole hey you know just got a match whatever Wow, Mills' uh, girl voice. Crazy. That's girl voice. That's crazy. Got to bring that back for the next 50. <laughs> uh, the next match on Super Showdown, Brian, Darren Bryan versus The Miz in a number one contender match for the WWE title. We've been talking about this match for a very long time. It's finally happening. Um, Daniel Bryan, the, the, whole, the whole point here, or the whole story here, is that he just can't seem to beat Miz. Um, I think that in a way... There is some. There is a way out for him to lose this match, and that would be having Shelton Benjamin be Miz's new muscle. That would be um, weird. <laughs> it would be. It would but be cool. Considering the events of SmackDown, I wouldn't be like. I wouldn't see it. It wouldn't be something where it's like, damn, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was just uh, like Shelton gave him the opportunity. Yeah, Shelton gave him the opportunity. And I think that's a way that you have Brian spin off into. Brian can spin off into Shelton, which. It's crazy to say in 2018 that mm-hmm. he could spin off into a Shelton program and he could spin off into a Randy Orton program while the Miz is busy with AJ Styles. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to ever have someone spin off into a Shelton Benjamin program in 2018. Well, it, it, well just for like a, a match <laughs> to get his win back, you know, just to get his win back on once. Because, you know, SmackDown does these mini programs. Right. Remember, Brian and Andrade had a program, you know, earlier this month and. Um, you know, it, it just spin them off for a second while the Miz does his own thing. So, do you think this is where the Daniel Bryan and the Miz feud, uh, you know, not ends, but takes like ends for, takes a break for the time being? This is the final match. Yeah, I, I think this is where it takes a break. Um, I would love to have Bryan. Shit, we got because we got Survivor Series, so they don't have to they don't have to face each other there. Right. December is kind of like a it's a it's a it's a bye month. If you if you know if it, there was any a month, these next two months are bye months because he could. I would love for Randy to wrap up the Ty Dillinger program and go right into Daniel Bryan. They have great wrap that up. Just get out of there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap what up? Like it's Ty Dillinger. You don't have to, he he might not show up for (laughs) six weeks at a time on SmackDown. What are you wrapping up? (laughs) Well, well, you know how SmackDown does their stories. They, they do give attention to the underutilized talent there. I mean, look at what our truth is doing. Even though, even though my guys, Rusev and Aiden English aren't on this card. I'm not happy about it. But oh my god! <laughs> Here so, we are. I mean, I mean, you you give time to that. I I think, and we're both saying Miz is winning this, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Miz. I think Miz, Miz is, is winning this. Um, I and and you know, you you give Brian the the Orton program into uh, Royal Rumble, and I'd say you have Brian win Royal Rumble. 
and then it picks up again. I feel like every year, every we say he's going to win. <laughs> every year, Daniel Bryan is winning the Royal Rumble. Every year, every year, he's winning the Royal Rumble. Like, even when then, he couldn't win the Royal Rumble. Remember last? Remember this year? This year I, they were like Brian's going to be a surprise entry. I think they're going to clear him for the Rumble. <laughs> and he was going like, to be number thirty. He was going to be number thirty this year. And we're all like waiting, like they're going to clear Brian for the Rumble. Shit! All right, they got to at this point because you know he in this feud with like fucking Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and blah blah blah, and like every year he wins the Royal Rumble. I, j- if he doesn't, he get we get Miz and Brian at the WrestleMania anyway. That's just the way yeah. it is. We're still gonna get it there anyway. I, this is gonna be a long feud. Um, I'm fine with it being a long feud. This is how. Mm-hmm. This is how they've done feuds. I'm not necessarily mad at how they built it. Let it happen. I'm I'm all for it. I'm, I'm cool with it. Uh, Miz is winning this match, though, and I think it's going to be a tremendous match. I don't know if it'll be as good as their SummerSlam match, which is one of my favorite WWE matches of the year, but um, it'll be up there. <clears throat> Next up on the card, the Shield versus the Dogs of War. Now, they could go two ways here. I think if you really want to solidify the Dean turn and, and break away from the Shield, I think you have him take the pin here in a situation where they could saved him but they didn't mm. that would be like, that would, I, like, that would be a monumental thing i would uh, that would be an actual thing yeah that would be that would be something yeah having them beat the shield like because because dean's been taking a lot of losses mm-hmm. and i think if you have him continue to take the losses and blame it on the fact that he's been trying to be such a good friend to these two guys that have titles and he doesn't have have him lose the match What do you think? I think that's a logical idea, but I still think the Shield is going to win. Just because, mm. like, I don't know. It's fucking Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. Like, who the fuck? I don't well, know. Braun will, get the, Braun will get the pin, obviously. I, I think well, Braun is getting the pin and for a crown jewel. So at least get his, like, you know. Yeah. Get oh, something going. He's for sure getting pinned at Crown Jewel. Like, <laughs> let's just oh, get yeah. this out of our minds here. Oh, yeah. He's getting pinned at Crown Jewel. Let's, so it's, it's, Brock ain't going out on his back. Let me, let me right, tell no, you what. I'll no. tell you what. Brock did it for the bag. He's not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He did it for the bag. He ain't doing that shit. Uh, so, <laughs> so you say dog. You say uh, Shields winning. I'm, I'm going to say Dogs of War are going to win. Okay. Uh, next up, in another another interesting match. That ha- listen, the SmackDown matches have more have more. Story. They're holding up. Yeah, they're holding up this card. They're holding up the show here. Um, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Live Women's Title. We've had a conversation about this before. Um, mm-hmm. I think we both agree that it is a bad. Well, did we agree or, or, or did we kind of come to a mea culpa where if, if Charlotte does win it here, it's fine because they'll just do the match again at the end of the month. Yeah. So if Charlotte does win here, I get it because it, it sets up a stipulation match, I, I would think. But it would be bad for her to win here. Right. Because it would, as everything going on with Becky right now and how hot he is, for her to immediately lose the championship, that's letting the air completely out of everything that she's doing. Um, what, what, what if they do a fuck finish, which I, which I had option where someone's foot is under the ropes and the ref didn't see it or something like that? That could be it, too. That could be something good, too. Which they do way too much in WWE programming, but <laughs> I think it's possible. They, they keep at least half the, like 25% of the roster they want to keep strong Yeah, for no particular reason. Um, I think Becky wins this. I'm going to go with Becky too. I think Becky, she should, she should win this. So I think she, I'm going to predict her to win this. Um, they can yep. still get to a third match, even without Charlotte winning this match. I think Charlotte, if Charlotte just 
I mean, she got to the fucking SummerSlam match without even being on the show <laughs> for fucking four months. So uh, yeah, she can she can get a third match. I think Becky wins this, solidifies her turn, um, and I think you go with Becky into Survivor Series. I think there's no other place you can go there, but having Becky have yeah. the, the title going into Survivor Series. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. The next match is kind of weird because we don't know if Liv is cleared yet, but the Bellas and Ronda Rousey versus the Riot Squad. I don't know if this will be turned into a two on two match or or what, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they hide Liv because she did travel to, to uh, Melbourne with them. She's on her way. I don't know if she's cleared or if she'll have any type of um, physical activity happening within that match. Mm, you know, let me say this. I thought, you know, in 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 regards to the Brie Bella Liv Morgan situation from last week, we got a very lengthy statement by Daniel Bryan on Twitter, right? Um, which I thought was amazing, and as a, it was honestly probably something that Brie should have done, um, because it's just, and even even though people are still arguing with Daniel Bryan, like he's not one of the best fucking professional wrestlers in the history of Earth, mm. um, I thought it was just a great statement overall, and just like okay, you know. In terms of let's wrap this up, let's stop with the games. Everyone gets injured in the professional wrestling ring. We don't have to continue to bombard Brie Bella about it, and we can just sort of move on. And I think everyone should continue to move on because you know, this isn't something to sort of hold against her for the rest of her career. Um, so just on the side, I think that was a great moment. Um, in terms of the Bellas versus the Riot Squad, oh, my God, you have Ronda Rousey on one side and, and – and Sarah Logan on the other. I think it's clear to see who's going to win this match. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to go long. Uh, eight minutes. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ronda Rousey's been taking an ass kicking for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> She's been taking uh, an ass kicking. She's been really, you know. Do they set up the Nikki Bella Ronda Rousey match here? Or do they do the uh, do it on, on Raw next week? So people, I've heard rumors that say they're going to set it up on this show. I don't know if you do. Well, it depends on how important they feel the show is. Mm. I, w- I wouldn't. I would wait. I would wait until you get it on TV and have it be subtle. Well, so you do it here. It, it all kind of depends where you kind of go from it. Because if you do it here, you get that people who want to wonder, like, what's going on? Why did they do this? And then they tune in for Raw to figure out some lame explanation. Yeah. Or do you do it on Raw? I mean, hmm. I would do it on Raw. I think it needs to happen. The the point is it needs to happen by now. Yeah. They got, like, three weeks, four weeks now. (laughs) Yeah, it needs to happen. That's really just really just needs to happen. So someone needs to, you know, sock a bitch in the face. Like, come on. Wow. Whoa. That's just how the kids talk these days. Mealsisms. Okay, so we have the we have the 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 team strong style beating the ride squad here. Easily. Uh, and next match, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. No disqualifications. No countouts. No DQs. Or I already said no DQs. But uh, yeah, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Anything goes match. Um, is it bad that I'm tired of this match? But I kind of get why it's still going on. I like, get it. it I am gone, like, it has gone so far away from the title at this point. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, oh, and the title's on the line. Um, but it's just like, I'm so... I get why this match is still going on. I don't hate either performer in this match. I would love to, you know, see maybe Joe win it. But I don't even think that's going to happen. So the fact of the matter is, the fact I don't actually think Joe is going to win 
Um, or there's even a possibility of him winning the title in this match mm-hmm. just kind of like sours me on the match. It doesn't make me think like, oh, anything can kind of happen. Plus, this is a show in Australia. Like it's a it's going to be a great match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I believe so as well. No count on those disqualification is right up Samoa Joe's alley. And I think yeah. AJ Styles can get a little bit more vicious and can you get a little bit more, you know, aggressive in the ring which we don't typically see from him in these matches but he can get sort of that but i think aj styles wins i mean really i think he wins too he's talking about burying uh joe alive on smackdown i don't know if he's gonna he's gonna go that far but made you uh, think it should have been a buried alive match in it yeah right um but yeah i think things gonna be a really great match i think aj styles is wrong to clash into a grave oh my god <laughs> imagine Oh my god, they would both die, they both explode. That's six feet. That's six feet. <laughs> and then, listen, people have done worse. I don't know why. <laughs> Just tuck your neck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You've been trying to neck. kill Joe for real. Just, no, uh, don't tuck your neck. Don't tuck your neck. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm just talking about tucking his neck. That's a fucking pile driver. Just don't tuck your neck. Oh my god. That's so funny. Uh, it's gonna be a solid match. Um, I I love to see the feud end after this. I'm I'm done with it after this match. Uh, it, it's it's third time's a charm here. Uh, AJ Styles feuds are they're always three and three and done. I think we're knocking more with like four, but uh, it, it, we're we're good here. Um, I think we and and just to say this, I think considering the you know the men don't have a paper. Well, I guess we have Crown Jewel, right? I guess right that's after. where that title match would happen. Why would it? Oh, I think it is happening again, though. I think I think it was tentatively supposed to happen again. Unless you do the the Miz match there, that's what I thought was gonna happen. Miz and AJ Styles at Crown Jewel, but I would I would be so mad because I wouldn't think Miz would actually win. Um, no, he's not gonna win there. No, he's gonna win. Uh, he would it, not be happy if the Miz he'll win at TLC. I think he'll win at TLC. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be that make more sense. Uh, uh, next next up, Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy for the cruiserweight title. I think this is to me. It's the only match on the card that could have a title uh, title change. It should, quite honestly. I think Buddy Murphy's worked his ass off. I think he deserves it. I think if they were to ever move anyone up from 205, I, I didn't expect Leo. I'm glad about it. But I also think Buddy Murphy is a shoo-in to be called up next. To, to yeah. the, uh, so if he doesn't win, I think it's because he's going up. But if mm-hmm. he does, I think it's well-deserved. I think Cedric's done an admirable job of having that title for as long as he has. He's faced everybody on on the show. And I think it's just time for him to kind of go back down and, and kind of, you know, take a break for a while from from the title yeah it's time for a new it's time for a new bit of crazy on on 205 live um cedric alexander's been great don't get me wrong he's had fantastic <clears throat> matches and i think that's really the lifeblood of 205 live because when you think of 205 live i mean we don't really think of the entertainment segments but we think like damn we're gonna get a barn burner main event and that's right. kind of what he's provided but i think we need it from a different perspective with buddy murphy um haven't had a major heel champion since I don't even want to say Enzo Neville. Um, yeah, and yeah, we just it just needs to the it, it affects the pulse of NXT. I mean, sorry, NXT two hundred five live. If the title doesn't change, it really does. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping it changes. Yeah, pretty, it, it, it 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 yeah it, it is like a, a huge uh, it'd be a huge change to the to the show, and it allows people like Mustafa Ali, who's been floundering not floundering, but He's been he's been circling the drain, so to speak. Oh yeah, to, to find a program, and it'll give him a chance to to find. The man has had a blood feud with every person. On, <laughs> I know on it's so. Yo, Ali is a G. Like he, all he does is like have no DQ matches and try and kill people on that <laughs> show, and he's a face. Like it's crazy. Oh my god. 
but next on the on the card, uh, the New Day versus the Bar. I, I'm not really that excited for this match. Um, I, admit. I think it'll be solid considering the two teams, but um, I got New Day winning here. Yeah, New Day. Why not? I don't well, think they. I don't think they drop the titles for a while. There's no. It doesn't make sense. Nah. How long are the Bludgeon Bros? Oh, they're off for a while. Oh yeah. All right. So yeah, it's it's nothing now. Um, yeah, they're, they're off for a while. There's no reason to. I mean, there's quite honestly, there's no SmackDown tag team making actual waves. Um, sanity? No sanity? No. No sanity. Nah, sanity's already. Actually, the new day beat sanity like their second match. Yeah. <laughs> These sanity's nothing now. We're, yeah. what, what happened to sanity? And this is why the Bucks aren't coming. <laughs> well, they're not gonna come to SmackDown. They'll go to Raw. I think they'll be they'll be good on Raw. Mm. They're a Raw team. They're a they are a Raw tag team. Yeah, yeah, they're a Raw tag team to me. I, I don't. I, a lot of people say, "Oh, they're not. They're 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 small. They should be on SmackDown." No, they're 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 big time. They're bigger than that. They'll sell merch. Oh, they're yeah. merch sellers. They will put them on Raw. They will sell some fucking merch on on uh, the USA Network. And to be like, God damn, pal. <laughs> you guys love this super kick party yeah. <laughs> it's just super kick party shirts it's like my god damn pal he's just selling the hell out of these super kick show me the stats um, uh, and, and the last match on here save the best for last uh, Asuka versus Naomi versus the Iconics the hometown hometown heroes the Iconics they have been listen they have been beating the shit out of the Iconics all, all month there's, I have no faith that they're going to win this match. I have no faith. Like, why would they? Like, don't get me wrong. Iconics, entertaining. Asuka and Naomi, though. That's like championship pedigree. It's got Asuka on one side, which already is just like, I think Asuka could beat both of them by, by herself, quite honestly. I think she but, did before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, come on. It is what it is. I do like the... All right, so how do you feel about the rumors? Since we're closing on this, the rumors, there have been rumors out there that they have canceled the heel turn of Asuka because uh, I read something like they don't want it to necessarily... The, the Becky thing is going so well, they don't really want to like force anything. I don't think... it. I, I think it's too early in their team for there to be any type of speculation on that right now. Mm-hmm. I'll, say, I'll say that um i think with smackdown there are emerging stories there's always an emergent story on smackdown so i think depending on this match and how it goes and you know what i'll just go ahead and say the iconics are going to win and they're going to pin naomi let's say that the story changes at that point you know sure um i think you give you give that you know it's proper it's proper due i think you w- we'll see in november where they're at before this heel turn because i think there is a way you could have oscar and becky both becky a tweener and oscar a full-on heel facing each other because they're both different they're so different as heels well i think even if you get becky out of this feud with charlotte i think that just changes the way she's looked at entirely um yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you Absolutely. could have you know i think you could you could, there's a bit of flexibility in terms of who she could face Mm-hmm. Um, and she could seem like a heel sometimes and a face at other times, but really just a tweener, as we talked about. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I completely agree with you there. Um, it, it is a it's a situation where I, I think that Oscar they do want to they do want to keep her hot and keep her strong. Um, I think with SmackDown, a lot of people have to realize that there aren't enough there isn't enough time to get everybody on the show. So I mean, obviously, if Oscar's not facing you know anyone for the title, she has to go a little bit lower on the card. 
and I'm I've been okay with that. Is she's not taking she's not eating pinfall. She's lost what three times this year, four times this year. Yeah, I mean compare compare that to Charlotte who loses a hell of a lot more. Uh, not on pay per view though. Not 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 a lot on pay per view. But like you know you can you you compare that to a lot of people. She's she's still relatively fine and and um you know there's still time to salvage Oscar. There is a whole 2019 coming up. I don't think that she's lost. I I don't think Nakamura's lost. I think a lot of these people is just about timing and what's important at the time and. Um, a heel turn, I really do still think it's in the cards for her. I just think it's too early to say that they've they've scrapped it because I don't right. think that this team has been around long enough. Like, who would she turn on right now? There's no reason for her to do it. True. So, like, you give her a reason. You guys got to wait to see the story for her to turn for you know to see who, who's going to turn. And right now, there's a bigger women's program that we have to see unfold before we can have Oscar be put into that. I think all the pieces are there. Carmela's moved down to what she's doing. Um, uh, who else w- was at the top at, at that time? Lana's is doing what she's doing with Rusev. Um, and Naomi's with her. That's the only other person that they could be, you know, doing that with right now. And you could even introduce Sonya Deville and, and Mandy Rose back into the equation as well. Mm. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, that is, that is the, the super showdown. We have one more interview for you guys today. And that is with Ernest Wilkins. Uh, he's a former writer for Deadspin. He's one of the first guys that started doing writing for Deadspin before people like David Bixenspan and stuff like that did it. He's a, you know, a huge influence on, on myself uh, and meals. He's, he's been around like forever as far as like Russell rap and everything. Like he's, he's seen it all. Um, and we, you know, I talked to him about, again, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here is about inclusion and just how diversity has kind of changed wrestling. But we also talk about the CM Punk dilemma. Hmm. So we we get we get we get some real CM Punk talk there. We we talked about CM Punk a little bit with Sad Guy Greg, and we continue that talk here with Ernest Wilkins. So check that out on A Show Fifty. We'll be right back after this interview to close out the show. All right, everybody. Uh, Mills had to step out because he had to go hit the medicine ball a couple times. Uh, <laughs> we are here with another guest on A Show Fifty. Uh, he is an esteemed. You do everything. I can't even. You like a. You you do everything, but uh, like whether it be writing, whether it be marketing, anything. Like you, you've done so many things, and uh, I, I met you. Uh, I want to say 2013. I think yeah. 2013 we met, and and since then, oh, my fucking dog will not <laughs> let me live here. But uh, and since then, well, since Meals is gone, Migo is here to fulfill uh, Meals' yeah. spot. Uh, but I, I, you know, I met you and, and since then you, you've always been kind of like a, kind of like a drive for me. Cause you, you're, you're one person that has always told me that I'm doing a great job, even when there's people that didn't really have to. And I know you didn't have to, but it always meant a lot to me. And, sure. uh, of, of course we, we, we have here Ernest Wilkins, uh, <laughs> Chica- Chicago native. Yeah. Uh, I'd say this, the black CM Punk <laughs> in a good way, <laughs> in a good way to this wrestling shit. Yeah, uh, Ernest, I, I, I knocked out yeah. multiple times. No, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, well, well, welcome, Ernest. Welcome to the show for the first time. We don't we don't have a lot of guests on the A show, so we had to do it big, and I had to bring you on. Hey, I appreciate that. It's happy, I'm happy to be here. Um, it's a really great opportunity to be a part of something crazy. Y'all have been like, and I'm gonna do it. I do it. I'll do all of my like shout outs privately, but this is a public one. Like y'all have been going this whole time. The whole setup is fantastic. It's been really inspiring to see on this end. So much love to y'all. Much love to the A show. Man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, we, like I said, uh, off the mic, like I really followed a blueprint 
that was set when we all really met in this wrestle rap thing was in its infancy, really, where we didn't really know what was going on. We didn't really, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a, not, not awkward, but it was kind of like a, uh, emerging and growing phase where it was like, you know, black people like this shit yeah, <laughs> and we're all uh, going to talk about it. Well, you know what it was? I think there was a, there was a time where, I mean, cause you know, black wrestling fans have been around forever, but I feel like within that specific culture, there were, there wasn't, you would talk to somebody on the side about wrestling. Like if you knew somebody in your industry, you know, coming up through music and media, you knew people who were wrestling fans. Like you'd see them, you'd have like little side conversations. They'd recognize if you were wearing like a Shawn Michaels t-shirt, but you never had a time where people like, I feel like com- they were comfortable come in, in saying, Hey, I am a wrestling fan. You know, I know this angle. I watch this show every week. And I think that group, and at first, like early core, and I mean, there's there's people all over the country, frankly, a lot of writers, but it all kind of came together, I'd say like 2012, 2013. And a lot of it, honestly, like was I give a lot of that to ASAP Yams. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think ASAP Yams, you know, God rest the dead was very like adamantly like an open wrestling fan. And I feel like because of his kind of ability to kind of be a voice in the culture, but also be a super diehard fan of the graps as they call it. Um, I think he kind of made people like myself specifically feel more comfortable because like I was writing about wrestling for a long time, bro. I used to be in the E-Fed off Yahoo groups. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like real serious, like Adam Ryland, total extreme wrestling revolution, PC game. It's like, <laughs> it's like if anyone has never played that, they game, still play it. It's still, oh, it's still yeah. popping. I, I have a PC solely because I want to be able to play that game. Cause it's not available on Mac or it is. And you got to do a whole bunch of stuff, but like, it's crazy because that level of wrestling fandom, like, you know, angles, you know, Japanese stuff, you know, you know, Josie stuff, like yeah. all of that is, is a situation where it's just, it's just a depth of knowledge. And I think once it became culturally kind of okay to dip a toe, the group all were people that were writing about these things. They'd be tweeting during the pay-per-views, but now it was like, Hey, no, we're, we're all doing this. And I think yeah. most things, you know, when you could get a movement going, you're going to be able to go farther than you would by yourself. Absolutely. And and I think just the Russell Rap group, it had in many iterations. Uh Kaz was in it. Uh yeah. Bill Hanstock, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, was in it. I was in it. Meals, of course. Yeah. That's how that's how I met uh that's how I met Meals was in there. Uh Adele, who Damn. works for Title. Yeah, Adele was in it. Shout out to him. Ernest yeah. Estimate, shout out to him. Um Jeff My man Busby. God bless Aaron Busby. He has the worst takes in the history of Twitter, but I love him anyway. Busby, um, listen, man, <laughs> the Busby J5 war, you know, like, we, squashed, we squashed it years ago. All our Brett and Shawn Michaels, bro. That shit is going to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like, as long was, as I'm HBK, I'm fine with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let the focus decide. But I think the thing that was crazy was so I and me and Tom Brand actually had the pro wrestling column for Deadspin at the time too. So yeah. it was like, that was crazy because I was writing on Deadspin, which is kind of a crazy surreal experience about wrestling. And like, it was interesting to be able to approach it from a standpoint of we're looking at this as a broader, like you would cover sports and yeah. I think, you know, you see MMA kind of, I'd say probably the mid two thousands belong to the UFC in terms of coverage of combat sports versus wrestling. And like that whole like Nexus era, you weren't paying attention to WWE. You were paying attention to UFC. If you were a mainstream fan who grew up like around that attitude era. Right. So it's cool to kind of be able to see 
like the cultural swing has come back. You know, I think Rhonda has been a huge kind of advocate for that. But more specifically, I think a lot of, you know, cultural figures, be they athletes, be they musicians, they're all super into wrestling. Yeah. And they all have been. Because I think wrestling is like, an, and obviously it's, an, it's a global you know, thing, but I think wrestling as in America is kind of a, a piece of pop culture. Okay. It's the most I, I tell people when when they ask why I watch wrestling, I say it's the most American thing ever. It's yeah. good versus bad. It is good, good versus bad. bad. It's 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 a lot of kind of summations of you can really read, and I, I stand by this even now that WWE is about to make more money than God, but it's like <laughs> you can read the pulse of America by what storylines are going on in wrestling. And I stand by that. And the, the times have proven that thousands and thousands of times in the past you have bruno san martino who is the voice of the immigrants who the strong immigrant community in you know new york city um he's the champ and you know coming from pittsburgh like he's got this whole kind of east coast like lunch pail i'm gonna come in there we're gonna stretch you out for 45 minutes like <laughs> yeah. enthusiasm and you see that translate through somebody like dusty Rhodes, who dusty Rhodes is i mean my uncles like dusty Rhodes was a family member in my household like my grandfather used to watch cbs every single week on saturday night 605 like seeing dusty talking about dusty and he talked like a du- a black dude right and so he was a black he was a black man black you know and so all the black dudes was like yo we riding with dusty you know and so that whole the you know the the junkyard dog like all that stuff all the way through the 90s all the way through the attitude era like there's always been black representation but i feel like and, and this is something larger kind of bridging the gap between the two. The culture also got a real strong diversity influence. Mm-hmm. And like, I think at that time period, you look at 2013, and like I, I wrote, so I've written this. I'm probably, I, I need to put it out. I've been slacking, but basically what we know is the PG era already ended, right? This is just my, my thought process on this. And so basically what you saw at that time period was WrestleMania 30, I feel like was the end of the PG era. I just right? I was just telling, I, I, we had Stat Guy Greg on earlier in the, in the episode. Yeah. And I said that 30 was the shift, though not, it, it, I, I always believed it was a generational shift, but yeah. it was really moving out of what, what I call the reality era of yeah. that time and moving it into uh, an era where, it was not the indie era, but kind of like the network era where it's, where it's all about the branding and, and, ha- and inclusion. Exactly. And I think, so basically what I, I, I call it, and this is my little you know, rough term of it. I agree with you on the reality era. I think the reality era was that, that it was a short one, but it was one that had a lot of impact. But I think what I've been calling it since is like, since like 2014, since WrestleMania 30 is the international era. Right. Yeah. So you saw a lot of pivotal stuff happen specifically in 2014, like the modern NXT that, you know, today, that was the first takeovers, you know, the British scene kind of got crazy in terms of progress, starting to draw bigger cards and RPW was doing the international shows, you know, new Japan did the mainstream expansion because you know, they were even before the modern Wrestle Kingdom stuff, even those earlier Wrestle Kingdoms where you had like TNA having, you know, the Dudleys wrestle against like Makabe and fucking Yano or like that kind of thing where you have AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy wrestling or Kurt Angle, you know, wrestling on, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. Like that stuff all started to kick off in that era. And like, you know, you think about 2014 was when LIJ was founded. 
Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, even with La Sombra and, yeah. and all of and, that, like the so expansion. Like, right. And so what happened through that is you saw that influx of talent from the Indies, from Ring of Honor, from all these places. And these people were doing these excursions. They all kind of start going into the WWE system. The PC is founded, which I think is humongous because that kind of standardized a lot of people's ability to be now, able to. Now, now, being from Chicago. Yeah, this, man. This is a, a, plus, a, a plus wrestling city, Chicago. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, whatever. Uh, <laughs> So being from Chicago, I I, I kind of touched on this with, with Greg. Um, the role of CM Punk, would you agree it ended January 2014? Maybe began 2011, ended 2014. After yeah, I, I think the reality era as we know, like I think Punk, Punk is going to end up being a, like a, a piece of history. And I wish that he did like he deserves so much more credit even though i know a lot of people are sour on him like but because of the way it ended but he deserves so much more credit because what i strongly believe and just is based on like kind of casual conversations i've heard where it's like you know dude was advocating for putting over a lot of the talent that you now see on your television like he was putting over brian he was putting over the shield and like went out of his way like because i think the original plan was to have the shield be there to protect cm punk yeah that was yeah. And they went they went along with that. But I, I always say that um I feel as though punk I mean the, the people were there. Brian was there, Seth was there, uh Cassius was there, all those people were there already, you know? Yeah. So But here's the thing though, I think the difference and, and I go back to he po- it's like it had to be like twenty thirteen, but it was right after Brian won the world heavyweight championship when he cashed the money in the bank. And he took a picture and CM Punk took a photo. And I remember to this day, but it's all of the champions in WWE. And he had everybody pose and he was like, the world is changing. But in that photo, it's Cody Rhodes. It's Evan, you know, it's, you know, uh, Matt Seidel and Kofi. It's Punk. It's Daniel Bryan. And I can't remember um, who the U.S. champion was at that time. It was Zack Ryder. It was Zack Ryder. It was Zack Ryder. Yeah, Zack Ryder. Exactly. And so, like, he goes, the world is changing. And if you look at that photo, it's like, oh, shit, like, this is not the traditional WWE that you remember seeing. John Cena's not in that photo. Randy Orton's not in that photo. The Rock's not in that photo. I mean, like, Kane, Undertaker, none of those guys, Triple H, Sean, like, none of those guys are in that, or, or even the, some of the ladies, like, Lita or Trish. Yeah. It was literally like, hey, this, oh, it's Beth Phoenix with the champ. And it was like, hey, this is changing. And so I think he gets, he deserves a lot more credit about advocating for the, you know, Hey, bring in Sami Zayn and Kevin Steen. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, advocating, but as far as like Paul saying, "Okay, we're going to start bringing these guys in." Definitely, Brian had to be Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, to that point, Daniel Bryan is a product. I mean, what Wrestling Road Diaries one? It's him and Coco Banner going all over the place doing his thing. Right. So it's like. He's a product of the international travel, too. He's wrestled overseas. He's wrestled in England. He patterns the style after Regal and the world of sports stuff. Like, I'm just saying, like, the international flavor affected WWE. And as WWE goes, the industry goes, right? So then you start seeing companies that would have just, you know, dealt with, like, Attitude Era leftovers. Remember, like, the early 2000s? Everybody was just getting all the crappy WCW guys. Oh, how many just, How many times was Xbox, hi- Xbox hired yeah. somewhere? Well, I, I actually, I have a lot of respect for Xbox because I think he has a really sharp mind of the business. And I think, you know, he drops so much game sometimes on Twitter while, like, watching Raw that it's like, oh, snap, like, you're really smart. Razor Ramon's like that, too, where it's like, they both will just sit there and just be like, you know, I would have did it this way. And you th- you look at it, you're like, damn, like, as yeah, a, a work. It, that should have worked. Um, but to that point, going back, and I know we kind of got off topic here, but like the, the international era, I think, has been 
a benefit for the rap community at large because you've started to be able to see the influences. You know, remember when like I remember people like freaking out because Dej Loaf wore a DX jersey in a video. Oh yeah, that was a big moment. But that was but we thought of that as a big moment for us. Right. And so what happened was as the culture continued, and I think Rocky did a lot of it. I think a lot of the stuff out of New York, um, Chicago for sure. Chicago and wrestling are hand in hand in terms of like even the people that don't watch wrestling know about wrestling in here. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's cool because it permeates the culture, which is why like the one hour tease empire flourishes out here. And like, you know, I, there's a reason they did all in out here. And so I think to that point, just from a reasonable side, I was seeing, you know, you look at AAW and you look at, you know, freelance wrestling, um, shout out to all those folks over there, but these people are taking the time and, you know, and I look at Shimmer, who has been one of the greatest, I think Shimmer is one of the most underrated promotions in the history of wrestling based upon the talent that they had come through those doors and what they do with the talent that comes through and develops. I think it's amazing. Uh, Dave Prezak is a genius. Um, But to that point, the rap stuff is so fascinating to me because you had people admit to be wrestling fans, Stone Cold references, Action Bronson, like his entire, you know what I'm saying? Like, Dropping Lex Luger references and stuff. Even if it's even if it's old stuff, like I, I I think my main issue with wrestling references a lot of the time is that a lot of people their their viewpoint is only from the the past. Yeah, and, for sure. And I think that you know in order for it to be like oh this is this is real this person's legit with it, I would really love to see them like bring up something that happened today or like you know what I'm saying. But there are there are very few that that do that. I, I think that like. If you were to put Travis Scott in front of a TV right now, I don't know if he would recognize. He might recognize Roman, but he wouldn't recognize I like. Uh, John Cena. I think everybody recognizes John Cena. In yeah, our or, or he, wouldn't reco- he wouldn't recognize Almas. You know, he yeah. <laughs> people. But like, also think about that though. That intersection. That's a key point. Think about it this way. You know, like you the RKO out of nowhere meme. You know, John Cena's entrance meme. Like all those things. Like wrestling became a part of culture again, and so yeah. because of that, because came of back the- around. Yeah, it came back around again. And so what's happening now is, you know, you're starting to see, you know, the Billy Corgans of the world. Like, I'm going to buy the NWA. Like, okay, sure. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff is happening. But on the culture side of things, there's a lot more of the actual braggadocio that comes in from wrestling. Because, like, a lot of classic rappers, they, you know, the nostalgia side of it, I think, is more due to the fact that people just watch wrestling when they were kids and stopped watching it. You know, but, like, there's still... And I, and I I love, you know, the folks in New York and L.A. about this and all over, because what will happen is you'll talk to somebody and they'll drop a regional reference. Like, how many Atlanta rappers do you know reference Ric Flair before the Migos did it? Uh, not many. Not many, but the ones who did were hard about it. I mean, Killer Mike definitely did. Like, you know, there's a lot of rappers in that aren't as popular, I would say, that ride for wrestling or have wrestling references in their music. But, like, I mean, look at, like, Smoke Dizzle. Like, Smoke Dizzle has been rapping on route wrestling forever. But it's a situation where when more mainstream rappers or larger format rappers started talking about it as a, as a whole, the culture kind of got a little bit more attention. And I, and I think that shift, again, just going back to this, how we all kind of got into this, this uh, melting pot, so to yeah. speak, of, of, of black and, and not even just black. It wasn't even just black people in that, that chat, but it kind of grew out of that. And I think... I had always been trying to find a home for a podcast about wrestling for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, you know, the A show is kind of like the first time it had kind of been open there, but had, have you ever tried to like, even with Deadspin, had you ever tried to make a, make a home like this for uh, people of color and, and podcasting? 
No. And, and the reason why was because I, frankly, I felt like, I felt like my group of friends or a diverse group of friends, the ones we like sit and watch wrestling together, you feel like it's more of a smaller thing than it is. And you kind of like, I don't want to equate this to anything, but it kind of feels like you're the only kid in town who knows about this. Um, so the funny thing about starting a podcast or something, anything like that was I genuinely didn't believe that there were enough people that were interested the same way at the same level that I was interested around yeah. me because I was the only black person who knew, you know, Compton's most wanted and Philly's most wanted and, you know, every single public enemy derivative that took place in all through wrestling and like knowing about how Paul Heyman straight up admits multiple times that he just bit all like rap videos from the early nineties <laughs> in order to fund the ECW and understanding that like he plays like the truth and stuff like that when wrestlers come out and like those kind of things and being able to say like, if you've been to a wrestling show and you're a black person in the culture, it's an ostracizing experience. A lot. Oh of my God. And like, yeah, I mean, yes, I, <laughs> I have been, and I've been to wrestling shows on both sides of the spectrum where it's, I've been to wrestling shows by myself, like, yeah. or, or with a friend where it's like, yeah. I see a lot of people that aren't necessarily like me, you know, it, it, oh. and it's, or, and like, or, or they look at you different, you know? And I've been with Wale. Yeah. <laughs> when it, it, where it's like, it's like, uh, they, they, they know him and they're and they, and they love him, but it's like, do they, do they love that he is someone in the space or do they love him because of what he represents? You know? Totally. totally. I mean, I was definitely more on the, the other side of it where it's just like, I'm the only one or my group of friends. And I've always said, and I will stand by this. And this is an A show 50 exclusive. If you are a young creative in the space right now, in the world of design, beat making, production, design. I'm, I'm serious. If you are a young black creative and you are out here and you're trying to figure out where you can get your stuff popping, go to your nearest independent wrestling federation. Right. Go find it. Go pull up. Go talk to the wrestlers and be like, hey, I'm going to get your music right. Hey, I'm going to get your gear right. Hey, let me work on a video for you. Wrestlers, do not have a ton of resources in that space. And if you notice, a lot of the wrestling content you see on television, online, all looks exactly the same. So there is money to be had in that space. And I, I'll yell it from the mountaintops. I tell people straight up, I'm like, go pull up to your indie. Go, you got beats? You don't think people need beats? You think that you think you think black wrestlers want to be out here listening to a, a cover of like a, a friggin' disturbed song? No, yeah. dog. Like get out here and like drop some stuff. I mean, and you'll get looked at because no one knows how to. No one knows how to sell their shit better than wrestlers, though. I tell you like this. If you ever want to take a master class in branding, and I will give a shout out to Jim Cornette because this is something he created. Go on the network, WWE Network, and look at all Smoky Mountain wrestling stuff. What they did with the gangsters who were then became you know mainstays in ECW with New Jack and Mustafa, go look at the vignettes they shot in 1993-1994 around the gangsters. It right. is some of the most... Like that, it looks like World Star. It's World Star. It's World Star before World Star. It's people where you're just like, I don't know anything about these people on their heels because Smoky Mountain Wrestling is in the middle of you know Booney, Tennessee, and so they're like, hey, this is terrifying because it's three <laughs> niggas coming through, and we're gonna take the tag titles and we taking your women, and people lost their minds. They were booed out the building. The cops showed up, and I'm like, there, are, there's at least ten like rappers I can think of right now. 
that could have something hot or a producers that could have something hot for one of these these wrestlers. And you look at like I think about people like ACH, or, or, you know, or people out in the world like that, where it's like if they have the opportunity to truly exhibit their love for the culture, I do believe everyone makes more money. Absolutely. And, and speaking of more money, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, WWE is making a lot of money, more money yeah. than God, you said. Uh, but I, I think a large part of this is because they are so diverse now. And yeah. you see a lot of people kind of pushing back on that. Um, you know, one of the big things about the A show is diversity and, and having a voice. Uh, wh- what do you think, even in light of the Saudi Arabia shows and the Hulk Hogan thing, where do you th- where, what do you feel about 2018's version of, of equality for the WWE? So I feel like it's two things. I think that personally, as a person, I'm really disgusted that they're bringing Hogan back. I'm just oh, and, and I say that completely disgusted because here's the thing. I'm on year, I'm probably on year 19 or 20 of, of following W. I was a WCW kid most more so, but WWE and WWF to a lesser extent were very integral to my development, I would say. And so it's bad because as a longtime fan, as a person who remembers, you know, men on a mission and people who remember these kind of really terrible attempts to culture, to, to cater to my culture, to see somebody who was unabashedly be that racist, be given a platform, even if it's just like a vignette. I'm like, you, you let Hogan go back where he was, leave yeah. him where he was the same way you leave all the other problematic things in our past. And just that's it. He was there. We know what he did. We know what, what got him into the position he is in. And also, I'm low-key mad at him because because of him, I had to lose my damn column. So what the hell? Um, <laughs> but I think it's also just more important to say, what is more important to you? The pop you're going to get from, you know, the, the latent Gen X and the early Gen Z, um, you know, Gen Z folk millennials who are like really excited about seeing Hogan one last time. He can't wrestle. He's probably not going to be cutting any promos. He probably won't be on the road that often. I genuinely do not understand why you would open yourself up to such a PR debacle because let's say theoretically they do the Saudi Arabia show and I'll get to that in a sec. They do the Saudi Arabia show. He comes out the next night in Brooklyn and gets booed to death. We're talking. Oh, and, I, and I think that will happen. I really do think that will happen. Yeah, I do too. Because here's the thing. I was at TakeOver, right? And when they showed him on the screen, there were boos. And I don't care if anybody disagrees with me. There were definite boos. I was booing for damn sure. But there were people who were really upset about it. And there's a right to be. And it wasn't just black people. That's the other thing. Like There are people who are not black who are offended by what he did. And I think there's a lot of, you know, you see online, I know you've dealt with it a lot, but like people online would just reduce it to, well, black people are just mad. It's like, no, everyone is Everyone's mad. mad. Maybe it was reprehensible. So to that point, I mean, that's one thing. The Saudi Arabia thing is, is tough because they like, are, do you, do you think that this hurts their, uh, and, I, I mean, in the, does it hurt their, their, um, I guess their foray into diversity this year. Did I, it hurt them? Here's what I will say. I do not believe that it is possible to make tremendous strides in terms of diversity when the people who are in charge of your organization exist in an era or existed in an era where different things were tolerated. How about that? Because I think, you know, and it's a cop out to say that, but I think if you ask people how they feel about the, the situation, I mean, you look at what happened with Sammy, like there are going to be things that cannot be rationalized but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i am an adult and i understand 
a lot of these wrestlers who work the entire year, who have terrible schedules in terms of their travel, in terms of maintaining their you know health and their endurance and staying healthy on top of that and wrestling good matches on top of that. I think it's hard for me to say, hey, you're going to make more money in two dates than you will the entirety of your probable WWE career. Mm hmm. I can't say no to that because those wrestlers at the end of the day, I'm pro wrestler, like not a pro wrestler, but I'm pro the wrestlers because without them, we don't have a show. Right. And so at that point, I think the women thing I think is more critical of Saudi Arabia as a country, but I don't know enough about that process to, to speak on it intelligently. I will say that evolution, I feel as though if more people spend more time crapping about Saudi Arabia than they do about bigging up evolution. And I think that is a problem because the people that are crying foul in a lot of those cases do not actually care about the women wrestlers who they are supposedly supposed to be supporting. They more care about creating, you know, a, a hot topic and, and basically just, this is weird, like, um, stepdad thing that like uh, abandoned like deadbeat dad thing that a lot of wrestling like media have with Dave Metzen. I don't understand it. Frankly, it's like, he oh, went here, we here we go. Here we go. And so I digress. <laughs> a lot of people would just rather shoot at Dave and I'm not, and I'm not counting you in that because you and I have talked about this privately. Like I understand where you're coming from. I'm saying the people who, who live and die by their entire sites traffic is predicated off of just reading the observer and copying and pasting those people. I think are making a big deal out of stuff when they could easily take that energy and support wrestling. Like you heard me earlier, I shouted out Shimmer Wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Shimmer, like that is one of the better book promotions. I think they have really great matches, but here's the thing, it's 100% women, right? Now, all of this time, those people could have been, you know, getting the mailers like I get from Dave Prezak where he lays down the next like couple of cards and where to buy the DVDs. Those people don't ever take the time to do that stuff. I've gone on on record and you can find it on Twitter. Look it up. I'll go out of my way to be like, hey, who is writing about wrestling as a woman right now that I should be reading? Because I'm saying if you're going to commit, it's the same thing with like you see people paying attention to, the, you know, the, w, the WNBA more than they used to. Yeah. If you're going yeah. to commit to diversity. You're going to commit to being inclusive. That requires you to step up even when the topic is on something else. And, and, I, think and that, I think that even besides... Even besides you know, where WWE has their shortcomings, they are, they have taken a step. That's oh, without question. Uh, and, but, I mean, when is the last time, and I, I, I know this will run, but like, think about the last three and a half, a month, I'd say probably a month of SmackDown Live. Yeah. Every single main event for the most part has been a variation of Charlotte and Becky. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, but I'm saying, like, they, they main event the shows. And do you remember, like, I tell my friends all the time, I'm like, it's so wild to me that like it it got over so quickly that women are main eventing the TV shows and we don't think twice about it. Because back in the day that was monumentous. It was yeah, like wait a minute. I watched I watched the leader the leader the match when they they headlined Raw live and I was like I will never see this again. I remember saying it. I'm like that's crazy. I'll yeah. never see this again. But the fact that it just happened this past Tuesday on SmackDown. Like they got the main the the the, the contract signing segment was second. You know what I mean? Like they they do the they do this stuff and they're devoting their time to it and their effort to it and the diversity that you're seeing in terms of style. Like think about all of the wrestlers from Japan who've come over who are now, you know, Mae Young Classic. Asuka, of course, is the most notable example. Like, you know, that that shit is insane to me. Like mm-hmm. I used to watch a lunge of blaze out there for like 35 seconds, get clothes lined out, you know, and then it's, it's a wrap. <laughs> and so now it's like, wait. You're going to actually, you know, the broad panties matches, the mud matches, 
And, you know, I think there's this weird subsect of any sort of progression. There has to be this moment where people are resistant to the progression. Right. So I I see a lot of that in what's taking place with the people who have the issues with the Bellas and like all of that stuff. I'm like, which is bullshit. bullshit. Completely bullshit. And I'll go on record as saying that. I think the thing is people are not comfortable with new ideas at first. Right. I think people don't like the idea that, you know, Sombra took the mask off and now he's seeing Almas, right? And, you know, Sam, you know, Generico took the mask off and now he's Sami Zayn. Like, that kind of stuff. I remember people were ready to run in the streets. Like, Samoa Joe isn't getting enough title shots or John Cena's winning too much and now John Cena isn't even featured enough anymore. And it's like, wrestling fans, I do believe to a certain extent, are never happy because if you're happy, then that means that you have to, you don't have anything to talk about. I, and I think it's crazy that that's the case because um, you, you find it's kind of weird in hip hop. There are moments where something is unanimous. Exact same. It's the exact same. If yeah. we come out tomorrow and I say, I like the following albums and I do it all the time. I, I use a really corny version of it, but I just say like, Hey, it's smacking. This song is smacking. This beat is smacking. This big is smacking. And so for me, it's like, if I come out and I can tell you 35 albums that I like this year, you don't care. You're going to be like, where's this one? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're, oh, you're, you're, you're not, uh, you're not real. Why are you hating on so-and-so? Why are you hating yeah. on this? And so what happens, is, I see that in wrestling too. It's the same kind of mentality. Now I want to ask you, how does that change? How, within, within wrestling? Within wrestling culture. Cause I see, cause I mean, we've talked about this before. Like when you don't feel comfortable engaging with the larger wrestling community because they don't represent the diverse views that you're trying to get across. I, I, think, I think that changes when you have, uh, you got to have the, I mean, honestly, you got to have the Conrad Thompson's, you got to have the Dave Meltzer's, you got to have them co-signing someone that's not white. I'm sorry. It's just the only way it's going to happen. I okay. think when, when you break that up, it's like, what's the one thing that's kind of stopping because, I mean, A-Show, we got it out the mud. You know, mm-hmm. like, we're, we're doing this all, like, I literally edit the shows, we come up with the ideas, we come up with the run sheets, all that stuff. What happens if uh, a site gets behind us? What happens if uh, MLW gets behind us? What happens if a Court Bauer, uh, Dave Meltzer, anyone gets behind us? The, the, oh. the, the perception yeah. starts to change. It starts to be like, these guys are hip, they're cool, they know, these guys, they know other guys, they know all these other people, they have the same sources, they have the same news, they have the same perspectives, they're just giving it to you a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it changes because there aren't enough people that are, that are logging in and saying, let me click on this, let me listen to this because they got a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether the perception of no one liking anything will change, but I know that the only way diversity will be accepted is if all the good old boys will just fucking get out of their caves and, sh- and, and put somebody over. Yeah. I mean, that, I'm that's the you. only way. I think, I think there's something to be said too, because here's the thing. We both have witnessed this whole thing kind of pop off. Like the fact that like Wale Mania exists is so wild to me. Like I'm just like, wait, people like because that's like an you know, that's like a rap industry thing. It's like, wait, we're gonna go all kick it. It's a listening session. Like there's so many other untapped opportunities that don't get explored because of said good bo- good old boy network. But I think the other thing is on us as creatives who are also you know people of color, I think it's on us to really double down on championing stuff. And it doesn't mean blindly support or whatever. That means like, if you know, if something's whack, I'm going to say it. But I think it's a situation where it's like it, the, the A show, right? I'm on here. Now, 
I haven't done a wrestling related thing and probably since the column ended. This is the first wrestling related like media that I've appeared on since. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I trust the brand, but more specifically because I could go jump on voices and you know, shout out to the folks over there. But it's like I could do anything like that, but I don't because I understand that here. Hey, I don't have to explain my references. Y'all gonna know who Camp Low is if I make a Camp Low reference. Y'all gonna know who Uzi is if I make a Uzi reference. You gonna know who I'm talking about when I said the All Night Express and Ring of Honor. Like all of those, yeah. are, are, I can speak a full language here. And with that communication, you then get to tell a broader story. And so, like I do believe, and you can bark this. I think we're gonna see a person of color who isn't, you know, based out of the United States get a larger platform to promote their show. And I think it'll be a different looking show. Now, what I would say to those people, and I look at like impact, I'm like impact did a really great job. The the tapings they've been doing from like Mexico city, the past couple of weeks have been so interesting because they showcase wrestling. It's a completely different feel. It's a completely different look. The crowd is insane because it's the Mexican wrestling crowd. They're in Mexico city. So like did a lot of traditions, they brought some really great luchas that have really great, you know, reactions, but they have them wrestling their guy and their guys and the ladies, especially Tessa, they all look like superstars yeah. because they're getting the product a different way. And so with diversity comes different viewpoints with diversity comes access to different markets. But as the international era continues on, and I think the next era will be 2020. I think this ends soon, right? I think 2020 with the Fox deal comes through, we will see SmackDown stacked to the gills. Raw will be stacked to the gills. NXT is going to be just kind of like, okay, it's a super brand. They're going to tour the shit out of it. Like, I see that all being an open opportunity for the folks who are kind of in that, that you're a super indie, like the NWAs of the world, like those kind of places. And I actually talked to Dave Lagana because I, I talked to him about this. And I was just like, you know, I watched, I watched the show, the Reglaming the Glory series they did on YouTube. And I shouted him out because I was like, this is a really well done story. But I can't help but imagine... What would happen if that that process was applied and given to someone in the culture? What would that look like? What would it feel like? What would what would how would they tie in the actual live events? How would they take the promos? You know what I'm saying? And I think the more diverse wrestling gets, the better we all have a opportunity to see better wrestling overall. Yeah. And I think absolutely I absolutely agree with with the fact that we could be looking at like a frontier, a, a new revolution, a new boom period by 2020. And, and I'm, I'm here for it. Cause I mean, I, I really think the signings are going to slow down pretty soon. Yeah. I, I think the signings will slow down. I think it'll be show improve time by 2019, 2020, where it's like, okay, we got this money. Who, who trying to make it, you know, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting period, but Ernest, this has been an incredible 30 minutes. Yeah, man. I, I want to thank you for, for coming on this show. Uh, I know you don't do a lot of wrestling related stuff. I know you got your own, you know, you're, you're a busy guy. Uh, but I, I really want to thank you. I'm, you know, I, I, again, I have the utmost amount of admiration. Me and Mills do have the utmost amount of admiration for you. Uh, is there anything you want to push anything you want to promote? I know this is your time to get your shit off. Um, so follow me on the internet. I am Ernest Wilkins everywhere else. Uh, there's no a in my name, even though I am an a plus person, um on the a show on the a show show. you see what i did there um shout out to everybody find me on the internet um more fun to come i like to keep my shit quiet much love um and uh r.i.p acbms too r.i.p acbms okay uh when we come back on the a show 50 we have another great segment for you so stay tuned we'll be right back all right we are back on a show 50 shout out to ernest wilkins 
Um, and really, shout out to Stokely Hathaway, shout out to Stat Guy Greg, shout out to Ampavelli, shout out to Wale, shout out to everyone who uh, listens to this show this week. I know it's long. I know it's a really long show. We told you it was going to be a long show. Sorry, sue us. Um, but really, like this is a show fifty. This is us. This is what we're going to continue to be, and it's, we're, we're going to only go up from here. Gang, gang, this is it. I mean, a show fifty. Thank you, everyone. Just. We're just beating with us, man, and just talking wrestling. Like it's, it, I didn't think I would be doing a podcast about wrestling for fifty weeks in a row, but here we are. Me either. I was, <laughs> I did not know that it was even possible to uh, qualify to be a, a black wrestling podcaster at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, you know, and and we have so many people that have like motivated us to keep going. I really want to send a, a big shout out to uh, to Emilio uh, Sparks and and, and Kazim. Uh, Kaz has been, you know, a, a very, very huge influence on myself, uh, and an influence on any, any person of color that has loved this, this business. Cause he's in the business now, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, shout out to him. And I hope he just goes higher and higher, uh, where he's at, you know, in, in the position he's at in the WWE and, you know, I'm doing it for people like him. And shout out to the for, whole, shout out to the whole, Oh, I didn't mean to step on your toes, my guy. Oh no, I'm doing it. For people, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And for, you know, from the influence of him, and he's doing it to influence us, and you know that just shows. Like, I wanted this show to be about excellence, you know, black excellence, and I think that's what this show is to me. Shout out to the whole wrestle chat too. Oh, oh, real wrestle chat! In two weeks, you guys will will be introduced to real wrestle chat. Uh, I just got a text from Donald Trump. Oh, that's the thing that's happening. I forgot. Yeah, I just got a text from Donald Trump. That what a what a terrible uh part means block. Yeah, I'm blocking this right now. I don't think we're supposed to block this though. (laughs) No, I'm blocking it. Fuck that. (laughs) that I think this is about to let this is supposed to let us know about national emergencies. The national emergency is that he's in the he's (laughs) in the uh he's in the office. Uh lose my fucking number. Uh anyway, that was A Show 50. Um shout out to everyone that listened. Uh check us out on RNC Radio. Uh, on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, of course. Uh, we have a new episode of Late Fees, Wes Craven, this week on Friday coming out. We had RSBN drop this week. It is a fucking hilarious episode. You have to check it out. Um, and we have two belts this weekend, too. Yeah, two belts. We talked about the Carter Five. We talked about uh, just we, we interviewed a new artist called Job Bills. We kind of talked about just the landscape of new artists and how people deal in this sort of streaming era and all that other stuff. We talked about the whole Jacquees and LMA situation and why, you know, you shouldn't make money off of other people's records and things like that. So we talked about a whole bunch of cool music stuff. You can listen to it on Two Belts. You can subscribe to Two Belts, Two Belts Podcast, and we are, you know, part of RNC Radio. Um, who else do we got? We have RSPN every week. Yeah, uh, every week uh, we we have perfect play every single week. Uh, we have, of course, we have the new show Ampavelli's uh, Random Acts of Podcast Gaming again. That will be premiering on October twenty second. Keep a lookout for it. It is uh, mixing Amp's very uh, eclectic uh, view of comedy. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> is that what we're calling it? You cleaned that uh, up very nicely, my friend. Hey, I have to I have to shout out my my round, man. Uh it's his very eclectic uh type of comedy with video games. Listen, we it is going to be something that you will never forget and you will always remember. Uh but you one thing you always have to remember is that the A show will be airing every single week on Thursday, faithfully 
Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our fans. Thank you to anyone that's listening to the show for the first time. I love you all. Uh, for the A Show, this is Justin for Meals. We'll see you next week. Peace out and happy Rusev Day. Happy Aiden Day. Mm, happy ah, Rusev Day. Happy, happy Rusev, Rusev Day. Day. All right, we're out. <laughs>